Hi, Jimmy. How are you? Hello. I'm doing well. How are you? As I, as I take a sip from my coffee. I'm doing well. There's a uh, boy. Oh, here's Pepper. There's a Pepper's, boy. Pepper, I, I, as I explained uh, off mic, I guess, on mic, off offline, uh, he had to... We're recording now. This is official. Uh, <laughs> so don't lean into the <laughs> microphone Lawrence and say something like, this. <laughs> no, please do. That would improve our content. Um, Pepper, Pepper is in a bit of a state. He had to get a bath today. He got his shots on Monday, that sort of thing. So he's uh, he's had a rough week. The poor little baby. Poor he's gotten so many treats, mean. but not as many as he would want to. Anyway, uh, yes, we're going to do some live ASMR here that I'm definitely not going to cut out. This is some subpar chip bags content. Oh, sorry. Crisps bag. I've got me a bag of crisps. Did you get that? No. Okay. <laughs> anyway, he ate a treat and it was very cute. Oh. Uh, but it wasn't a crunchy one, so. He doesn't even like chew them at this point. No, no. Yeah, he, 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 he inhales treats. Swallows them whole. That's a table snack, not a treat. <laughs> right. Yeah. Pardon me. Pardon me. It's not a treat. That's a table snack. That is a snack for eating at the table. <laughs> oh. Uh. Such a fancy boy. Lauren here, I'll, I'll wait for you to put your computer on the table before we... We'll call this unofficial. Are we just making random noise now? Yeah. Yeah, mostly. And I wanted to take another sip of my coffee. Uh, Jimmy. Tyler. Guess what? Today... <laughs> Fuck you. I'm done. I've had it. <laughs> Blocking up. End of the podcast End right the here. Podcast. You heard it here first, folks. No, I was thinking about it, and this week, I don't know if you realized this. Well, you probably did because I put it in the show notes to remind myself, but this week marks the one decade of our friendship. I did not know that. We have survived 10 years as friends. We met at about this time, I'm guessing about to the week, uh, at George Fox, pretty pretty quickly into into my first year, your second year there. Uh, through our mutual friend Alice. Everybody go follow Alice Hamilton on Twitter. Uh, she's very funny. Funnier than us, if you can believe it. Uh, yeah, she and... does it professionally. <laughs> right. She actually gets money for to be funny. Did you mean to rhyme there? <laughs> I did not. Okay, as long as we're clear on that. But anyway, I just wanted to say uh, hooray, ce- celebrations, jubilations right. uh, for... for surviving a decade of friendship uh this podcast would not be uh possible without that god i'm so old I'm gonna go I... dig my own grave and jump inside it that is correct <laughs> i i have still not forgiven uh there's a there's a person who said that i was one foot in the grave like not too long ago this was like a few months ago and i'm 28 so it's like all right buddy Tyler, <laughs> fuck you, baby. you you what 22 year old or whatever <laughs> Uh, but yeah, you know, we're just, we're just slowly decaying, uh, and, and making a podcast about Yu-Gi-Oh while we do it. Cause that seems like a good use of our <laughs> short time on this mortal coil. Well, time makes corpses of us all. Uh, as does Duel Monsters, as we'll learn in this episode. 
Um, I also had some some quick follow up, if that's all right. Uh, oh yeah. About uh, on my um, uh, oh. It's time to podcast. Hello, everyone. Welcome to You Activated My Podcast, the weekly Yu-Gi-Oh! Recap Podcast. I'm Tyler. I'm Jimmy. And I'm so sorry it took me that long to get us into the actual episode. Uh, I had some follow-up before we get started, is what I was saying, uh, because I told everyone last week that the things that were on my like to-watch sort of Netflix queue were Hyperdrive and Cannon Busters. Uh, I've watched all of Hyperdrive, and I've watched a couple episodes of Cannon Busters, and I have some thoughts, if you're interested. Sure. Uh, so, Hyperdrive, very good. Cannon Busters. That's the, eh. the live-action car uh, stunt show. Holy hell. So, okay, so the pitch for Hyperdrive is, what if Ninja Warrior was Fast and the Furious? And it's one of the executive producers is uh, uh, Charlie's Throne, so like a literal direct connection to the Fast and the Furious franchise. Uh, it is everything I wanted it to be and more. And and it, I know it being a car show, it being a stunt show. I know it's not going to be a lot of people's like particular cup of tea. I was trying to explain it to Lauren, and she's like violently uninterested. Uh, not violently, but dramatically uninterested we'll say uh and uh I picture you turning it on and then she just like walks up and 300 kicks the tv like through the wall i mean we watch it we, we watch it on an ipad right now so kind of okay so she just goes Yeet. right uh right through the window but let me let, let me throw a slightly different pitch out there for hyperdrive for people who are hearing that it's a car show and it's a stunt show and are not interested if you're listening to this podcast, Hyperdrive is your shit. And let me tell you why. It's a live-action anime, is what it is. And let, let me tell you, to, to sell it even further, let me tell you about some of the characters involved in the show. And this is just from memory, too. I didn't write down any of these notes or anything. I'm not looking at a Wikipedia. This is how into the show I got. So, I'm going to talk about the first two episodes where they introduce a lot of these characters. Uh, let's talk about uh, a very talented young racer, uh, not the youngest, but I think maybe the second youngest racer, a young man from Brazil by the name of Diego Iga, uh, whose nickname in the racing community at large is the Babyface Assassin. Uh, there is uh, there is another uh, woman who who drives. Uh, she's a drifter from Germany. She's there competing uh, along with her husband, who's also a drifter. They're there with their family, their whole kids, and everything. Uh, and she is known their whole kids. <laughs> they're two whole children. Uh, and uh, her like the thing that she's known as in Germany. Uh, and I'm spacing on her name now. Corinna uh, uh, Graf is her name. Uh, her real name. And the thing that she's known as her racing name is the Drift Beast. 
<laughs> and there's another girl there from South Africa who's known as the Drift Queen, right? And there's a there's a, another woman, um, uh, Carolina Polarchik, I think is her name, and she started like the first female-run drifting school in Poland or something. Whoa. So just some like crazy characters, right? There's a guy there who's a he's a French, I think he's a lumberjack, but he's a Frenchman whose name is Axel Francois. That right? can't be that's his, his real that's name. That's his given Christian name. And here's here's the funny thing. So in English, in American Bullshit. English, we say Axel, right? Which is already a car thing. But he's French, so they say it Excel. No. Like fucking accelerate. <laughs> so there's there's all this sort of shit here, right? And then, and then... This is completely on the nose. I know, I know, exactly. And then there's all this stuff where they really build up the drama. So one of the, one of the competitors there is... Uh, he, he's this, like, millionaire inventor who brings a, uh, a Lamborghini uh, Huracan, right? Which, okay, Lamborghini Huracan starts at, like... If you wanted to buy it, it starts at, like, $520,000, right? Just off the line. Oh, that's not so no, bad. No, like, big improvements or anything. That's stock, right? So here's the problem with the Lamborghini Huracan in this competition in particular. Lamborghini Huracan is awesome if all you're doing is going in a straight line because it's four-wheel drive, it's automatic, it's launch control, it's all this shit. But this is hyperdrive. This is Fast and the Furious meets Ninja Warrior. Drifting is a big part of this competition. So he goes, well, okay, I can fix that. And he builds a switch. He hires, he has his whole team of engineers to put a switch in the car that can immediately turn the car from four-wheel drive to two-wheel drive to give him the necessary torque, or not torque, but like the, the necessary ability basically to be able to drift. Because in four-wheel drive, you have too much momentum and too much friction on all four tires, so drifting's not really possible. You're just going to turn really quickly. Uh, so he, he can switch it into two wheel drive so that he can drift and he's driving maybe the only driftable Lamborghini in the world. <laughs> right. Uh, and, and it's, he's got like an extra turbo in it and they're talking about this car. Like it's a, you know, a fucking just like marvel of engineering, which it is. He basically built a, a second clutch into the car to do specifically drifting. Uh, Oops, all clutches right yeah it's so it's so strange um and it's got he, he put a, a second uh turbo in it so it's got like somewhere north of a thousand horsepower like 1100 1200 horsepower and so you're thinking okay this guy's gonna careen around the track and he does like he's doing he does the first track super well right and then you're thinking, okay, it's all over. This guy is a millionaire. He's he's purchased the best car that money can buy. He's had an engineering team go in and like improve it. This is the like Orochimaru of cars. I can't imagine being so rich that you can just pay people to like customize your already ridiculously expensive supercar so you can do it on TV. And, and like clearly this guy is like very smart and he did a lot of the engineering himself as well, but he's poured like easily a million dollars into this car, right? So you're thinking, all right, it's all over. This guy's got it. I don't even remember this guy's name is how little I care about him. Jordan something. Because he is so milquetoast and boring, but his car is cool. <laughs> Along comes Sarah Harrow, who in my mind is an American hero. 27-year-old truck driver from Florida driving a stock 2014 Mustang, which... Uh, if you want to put it in dollars again, is I think it's something like thirty thousand dollars 
new. I'm I'm gonna be wrong about that. Uh, but it's comparatively cheap, right? And it's stock. Yeah. Basically, like like several decimal places lower than this supercar. Exactly. Exactly. And it's the only thing that she did to it. It was her daily driver, basically, and then she just stripped out the interior before the race. So it's got you know AC. It's got the CD player. It's got all this stuff. Uh, still kind of weighing it down. It also doesn't have as much horsepower. It's got maybe like 350 horsepower at the most, right? So so less than a third of the Huracan. So she comes in, and uh, by the way, her spotter's name, if we're talking about anime names, is fucking Bun-Bun. Uh, you told me her about spotter, Bun-Bun. Her spotter, she has a real human name. It's like Jennifer or something, but she goes by Bun-Bun. And so the first introduction to Sarah Harrow is like, all right, Bun-Bun, you ready to do this? And Bun- and the subtitle says Bun-Bun, and Bun-Bun says, hell yeah. Just <laughs> <laughs> just like fucking anime as hell. And so, so Sarah Harrow comes in, beats the Huracan's time by 30 goddamn seconds, which what? in racing time is forever. Right? With a car that you could just... With her CD player-ass right. AC car. That she, that she bought, or that her, I guess her dad bought for her or something, but like is also a truck driver, so bought with truck driver salary, right? And, and does it just flawlessly, right? Uh, and so the show isn't about horsepower. It's not about money poured into the car. It's about pure fucking driving talent and i don't want to spoil too many things but like there is a racer that goes to the hospital at one point uh and then comes back and finishes a race uh there is a a a car that you can watch slowly disintegrate as the driver continues to crash into things uh until until there is a point where the car can literally not continue and they have to spend time like putting new parts on it so that it can do the next race. Uh, it is so much more than I <laughs> expected it could be. And I realize as I'm watching the show, this is fucking anime as hell. Uh, the first racer, I'm just remembering this now, the first racer to race. If nothing else I've said has sold you on the show, the first racer to compete in hyperdrive, his name, again, is given Christian name, is Fielding Shredder. The man's last name is Shredder. <laughs> How is that a real name? Who knows? Uh, anyway, great show. I, I definitely recommend it. Uh, my only, only complaint is there are four hosts on the show, and only one of them is a woman, and she gets the least amount of speaking time, and that really bothers me. She's basically the person that goes and like interviews the families of the racers, which is an important oh, yeah. thing, but like... One of the dudes there, Mike Hall, okay, fine. Mike Hall, you do a good job. But his entire role in the show is like while the racers are going, he goes, ooh, oh, yeah. Man, he's really just putting it to the to limit. Stuff. Yeah, and it's just like nonsense reactions to like there's a, there's a, there's a guy there who's clearly good at cars. Uh, there's a guy there who's like their token Irish person. Uh, and then there's Mike Hall who's just like he's just there, just – just get rid of him and and let Lindsay do the talking. It's fine. Anyway, that's my one complaint. Cannon Busters, which is an anime, uh, I tried watching. I'm two episodes in. Somebody needs to tell me. Tweet at me, please. Should I keep watching this show or am I good? Hmm. Because I kind of, I kind of feel like I'm good. <laughs> 
I got through the second episode. That's not a glowing recommendation, Tyler. Yeah, I got through the second episode, and I'm like, eh, it's fine. There's a lot of good people working on it, a lot of, like, interesting talent, a lot of good, you know, music and stuff, but it's just, like, it's trying to be Trigun meets Cowboy Bebop, kind of. Hmm. I don't even know if I would say meets Cowboy Bebop anymore. I think that's just the music. I think it's trying to be Trigun is, is really what it is. And I kind of just rather go watch Trigun. Well, that is not a glowing review of your uh, recommendation from last no, week. No, and I really wanted I wanted to like it. So if there's something like in episode three or four that makes it worth watching again, like somebody please tell me. But otherwise, I think I'm just going to let that one rest. No, disappointing. Yeah, I ended up watching another show called Rust Valley Restorers. Because apparently I'm on a car show kick again. Rust Valley Restorers is about an, a, a restoration shop in what's known as Rust Valley, Canada. It's a part of Canada that's so dry that cars can just kind of go and rust to a certain point and not get too bad. So there's a lot of like mm-hmm. old cars just kind of sitting in fields. Uh, and it's great because it feels like watching a, you know, like a West Coast chopper or like a, some, you know, some show where really it's the same formula every time is... Uh, they start a project, they fight about the project, they continue the project, they fight about the project, they finish the project, uh, but they're all mm. Canadian. So it's a lot of like, hey, you don't know what you're doing there, eh? <laughs> you know, <laughs> just like, and I, like, that's uh, fair. Like, honestly, I know that's probably offensive to our Canadian listeners, but that's pretty spot on for one of the people in the show uh, who's basically the Canadian Danny DeVito. Wow, I'm into it. Honestly, I'm 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 into it. I I could listen to these people talk all day. <laughs> so uh, anyway, yeah. So that's the other thing I've been watching. Are you watching anything else besides Yu-Gi-Oh right now? I realize I've just been uh, talking about TV for a bit. I haven't been watching much stuff recently. I've been really getting back into uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild. Ooh, because uh, I have all the DLC mm-hmm. that I've been slowly getting through. And I've just been going through the the Divine Beast trials again. Oh, nice! And getting okay. all the powering. I did the sword quest to power up the Master Sword, which was fun. I never actually finished that one. The trial of the sword, right? Where you go the and you put the, sword, the yeah. you put the sword in the thing, and the thing happens. Yeah, and you get transported to basically just a series of rooms where you have you start with nothing, and you have to like get a stick and fight some bokoblins so you can take their weapons and like slowly and gradually build up to like fighting uh giant monsters and stuff i remember when i first did that one i spent so long like making the right uh recipes to like boost my defense and stuff and like going and gathering all these weapons and armor and shit and going and doing it and then you show up with nothing and i'm like oh fuck off (laughs) (laughs) oh let me give you a hint though um if you make uh like defense potions using uh dragon horn okay they last for half an hour oh shit okay and they and it still lasts if once you lose everything because it's part of like your body it's not like being affected by your inventory gotcha okay so you have to you have to do the thing beforehand yeah get a high level defensive potion and then just immediately plant the sword and then you have half an hour to basically be nigh invincible as you're attacking these little goblins and stuff 
Good to know. So is this, you're not doing master mode yet, right? This is just the normal. No, not yet. Because okay. I started master mode, uh, which is when, when I stopped playing uh, Breath of the Wild. I hadn't completed all, I hadn't done all the stuff that you're doing right now. I still haven't def- beaten the game yet. Oh, Jimmy. <laughs> Jimmy. That's how I play like all RPGs. I go and do everything because I don't want the game to end. Mm-hmm. And well, so I'm g- going through all the DLC at least before I go and fight Ganon. Good news, bud. It doesn't because you get to play again in master mode. Uh, which is kind of the, the, it's that same idea of like, you start with nothing, uh, get a stick, but it's the whole game. Uh-huh. Uh, the, the, uh, what are the, what's it called? The plateau, the great plateau, the starting area. Plateau. Yes. Uh, so you, the starting area, you come out of the cave, right? And you walk down the hill, uh, at the base of that hill is a, is a white Lionel. Oh Jesus! <laughs> just just hanging out there, just waiting for you. One of the just most this, difficult enemies in the game. He's big like, lion hey, you little naked boy dude. who just woke up. <laughs> yeah. He's got like lightning arrows or something that he's just like, yeah. all right, <laughs> what's up, motherfucker? Uh, so yeah. Anyway, uh, cool. Okay, so so a lot of Breath of the Wild then. Uh, yeah. Are you? I also have been watching uh, King of the Hill on Hulu. Okay. Because it's one of those shows that. I was kind of aware of as a kid, but never watched. Yeah. And I uh, just started getting into again. I'm on season two now. Um, it's just a sort of subtle sort of humor. It was one of those shows that I I feel like I would have enjoyed when it was on television, but it was sort of like The Simpsons where it was like my parents were like, nah, we're not going to, you know. Yeah. Growing up in a fairly conservative household, we're not going to do, you know, we didn't watch like South Park or anything especially. Oh, gosh, no. Uh, and... Does it hold up? Bart Simpson is disrespectful. He tells adults to eat his shorts. <laughs> does it does it like hold up at all? Because I've tried going back and watching some of this stuff. Not King of the Hill, but like some of that TV just doesn't. Yeah, some of it is a little just kind of slow or like awkward or something. Um, or it says yeah, some things Bobby. that are like. <laughs> well, that's the the part of the thing I like about it is that it's kind of slower and not really in your face with its humor Mm. which i enjoy but just kind of like if you know any like rural america that's kind of how they are all right okay well maybe i'll have to pick that up there's funny there's i've been trying to figure out uh like background noise sort of media Mm -hmm. right that might be that might be one of those things that that fits where i can just listen to people talk in an accent i enjoy Yeah, there's a lot of uh, stuff on my to-watch list on Netflix that I just have never gotten around to. That's how it is, right? There's just always too much yeah. stuff. There's Dark Crystal stuff now, that new series. Yeah, I heard it was good. <sighs> so much. So much. Speaking but of so much. We can't. We don't have time to watch <laughs> that. We have to watch Yu-Gi-Oh! It's time to discuss the episode. I almost forgot what intro I was doing there. This week... We are discussing Season 2, Episode 11, The Master of Magicians, Part 1. Jimmy, the the translated title for this episode is also pretty fun. It says, The Black Magician Master, Pandora. Ooh, that's Uh, a way better title than this episode we get. So much better. Uh, The summary is, The Magician Duelist Arcana transports Yugi to the world's most lethal arena where the loser gets sent off to the Shadow Realm. Ooh, high stakes. Spooky. Spooky. Jimmy, I'll tell you the first thing I noticed about this episode was I watched the intro again. 
and it had been a bit, right? Like we we missed a week. Like this episode's coming out a little late. It had been a bit, but this episode, the, the the fucking intro, still gets me psyched somehow. Like I'm still like, yeah, it's a good intro. It is my move, Yu-Gi-Oh. Especially this season two intro, where it's like a remix of the intro, and then it like straight up plays the rest of the intro. It's good. Yeah, it's really good, and I really miss this like era of television where the intro has the fucking like cojones to show you clips that are clearly from later on in the season you know yeah what's this scary guy oh you won't see him for another 30 episodes right and it's just like so many shows nowadays have these you know uh sort of abstract like 3d art uh i'm thinking specifically of like uh like hannibal right uh, where you've got like, ooh, it's it's a it's an animal. Oh, but it's a person. Oh, but it's being covered in blood slowly. Or like the fucking Daredevil intro, where everything's getting I was painted just red. Of Daredevil. Yeah, and they're cool. They're cool intros. They're cool. But how much cooler would it be if you had a shot of like the ninja that you don't see until the fourteenth episode or whatever, and you're like, wait, who the fuck is that guy? <laughs> Like we can't wait for this shadowy character to show up. We we've been we've been watching the show now for okay eleven episodes into season two, right? And the intro has a character in it that we legitimately haven't seen in the show yet. <laughs> At least one. Yeah. There might be multiple that I'm just not thinking of. Uh, and like I know their name. It has all I've seen the, the show, Egyptian but... god cards, right? Of which we've only seen one. It just it's it's a nice foreshadowing, right? Exactly. It's so it gets you excited. You're like, man, what am I gonna see in this episode? Unfortunately, I hated everything that we saw in this episode. <laughs> I had a feeling you would not enjoy this episode. Uh, I did enjoy where it started, though. Do we want to talk about the beginning first? <laughs> that The beginning is always a good place to start. So I hear. Uh, so the, the episode begins uh, sort of with a fade back in uh, to Domino City. Uh, and in Domino City, a chump has lost a duel. Tyler, I have to say, I've really been enjoying your, like, topic headers for each section of your notes. I've decided to treat my notes like it's an episode of, uh, like, Always Sunny. You know how they have the titles where it's like, the gang does whatever. Some crime. That's just, yes. that's just how I've decided to write the notes now. <laughs> um, so uh, th- there's there's these two duelists uh, sort of in an alley somewhere, and one of them is clearly a bully, and the other one I will forevermore call the chump. Uh, so the bully is, uh, has just beaten Chump in a duel and is insisting that they give them their two rarest cards rather than, as tournament rules state, their one rarest card. Yeah, and the guy is like on the ground like he's been punched or something. He's like, hey, the rules say you can't do that. You can only take my one rarest card. And the bully's like, I'm making up my my own rules. <laughs> and, okay, first off, like, this guy's a piece of shit, right? The yeah. one thing I can respect is his enterprising nature. Like, okay, hey, if I'm going to take one rare card, why not take two? It doesn't fucking matter to me. But also, look at the chump. Look at him. This person doesn't have protagonist hair. This person doesn't even have a logo on their shirt. There's He's just a regular guy. What, what possible two rare cards could this person have? <laughs> I don't even remember what he looks like. Doesn't he have, like, blackish hair? I'm going to tell you exactly what this it. person looks like, and it's, it's going to make complete sense to you. Pokemon nerd. <laughs> you remember in the Pokemon games, there's the Pokemon nerd? Oh, yeah. He probably has some bug types. Right. And it's a, it's a fucking, you know, white button-up and then just straight black hair and glasses. This is that 
without the glasses, I think. Maybe not. I don't remember. But that's the vibe that I get. It's not important. He's a chump. He just got his butt handed to him. So anyway, so that's happening. And all of a sudden, a whistle starts blowing. And Mokuba calls a dueling foul. <laughs> he literally does, though. He's just like, he blows his whistle. And then the bully is like, uh-huh. And then Mokuba is just standing there in his little striped shirt and his, like, official vest. I love that he has a vest and no other sign of identification. Yeah, it's like a fishing vest. It's like puffy and it has a bunch of pockets and stuff, I guess, for cards or something. Yeah, except it's like beige. Yeah, it's kind of It's it's like that greenish beige that's super, like, what you see in, like, outdoor stores. Because there's only two kinds of clothing you see in outdoors clothes. There's, like, sort of greenish beige and, like, bright neon yellow. Well, and camo, but you don't see that. And camo, yeah. But who knows where you even get it. (laughs) (laughs) It's like uh, how the Jedi had to deal with... The, uh, those aliens from the other galaxy in the expanded universe where they couldn't see them in the forest, and they, so they had to see the hole in the forest that they were in. That's how you find camo clothes. You just find, you just look at the <laughs> you camo look for the void. and pick it out because you can see the <laughs> void where you don't see anything. Oh. What were those aliens called? They're on the tip of my tongue. <laughs> You know what I'm talking about. Boy, we're, we're going to get fucking kicked out of the next Cabela's we walk into. Uh, so, okay. So, to Lawrence, like, how often do you go to Cabela's? Never. I've, I've been into Cabela's maybe once. It was not a fun time. Uh, Tyler, what kind of outdoor sh- shops does uh, the UK have? I, I genuinely have never thought about it until this exact second. I think the closest that I have seen here is uh oh no 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 i might there's there's a few so we have mountain warehouse uh we have uh what's the other one lauren it's like it's got a c name coolidge or something super dry has some stuff also super dry is a, a big brand here they do a lot of streetwear they do uh, this fucking sweater that I've got right here. Uh, they have some outdoor stuff, but I was also thinking uh, in Newcastle, there's a military supply store is the first thing that came to mind for some <laughs> reason. Um, but yeah, like Mountain Warehouse would be the, the one. It's it's kind of close to like a, like a cheap REI. If they had all the okay. same stuff that REI has, just much, much more affordable. <laughs> well, that makes sense because the UK doesn't really have like wilderness you have scenic there's, countryside. Yeah. There's protected countryside. It. There's we were in Edinburgh and people were like, "Yeah, it's a fucking mountain, man." And I'm like, "I don't. It's it's a hill." <laughs> it's, Where is it? Like be hidden behind the hill? <laughs> right, right, exactly. One of my favorite comments I've ever seen on the internet is some guy on Reddit who posted a picture of the top. He had hiked to the top of the tallest mountain in England mm-hmm. or like Wales or somewhere mm-hmm. and someone one of the commenters was like cool what did you do with the rest of your afternoon <laughs> yeah that feels accurate it's great to look at but uh heights is not a thing that we have here uh so Mogaba uh, essentially shows up he literally yeah he, he yells Batman's dueling in. foul he yells the words dueling foul uh and and no he doesn't he like declare it he, I well, declare a dueling foul. That, oh, that, something like right, that. You're right. He does. 
uh, he he, and so he's doing all this, and he stops this this altercation here, and the bully just looks at him, and he's like, "Fuck off, you little weirdo! What the hell are you talking about?" He doesn't say that because it's a kids' show, but that's the gist. Yeah, what did? Who the hell are you, you little twerp? Bugger off! And and Mokuba's like, "No, I am the Battle City Duel Commissioner. You have to listen to me. You're in violation of the rules. Like, please leave, basically." Uh, and the bully keeps being like. Uh, no, <laughs> you're a child, which, fair. I don't have to listen to you. You're a little boy. And uh, I forget exactly how this happens, but there's another sort of gust of wind. As... Yeah, Mokuba's like, okay, if you won't listen to me, then maybe you'll listen to him. And, <laughs> and the, the guy looks behind him, and it's Kaiba. <laughs> Just fucking Kaiba just steps out of another alleyway. I, there's no telling how long he's been there. Like, have they just been watching? He's just this literally hiding girl? around the corner, waiting for this moment where you can step out dramatically. <laughs> I mean, knowing Kaiba, it wouldn't surprise me. And then Kaiba says, "What is maybe the most Kaiba thing he has said in quite some time?" Because he gets in close to this bully, right? And he goes, "When you speak to my little brother that way, you dishonor me." And you dishonor this Battle City tournament. <laughs> like a fucking mob boss, right? He's like, hey, you uh, dishonor me. You dishonor my family. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do things to you that uh, you, your grandchildren going to feel. And, and, like, and the guy is like, holy shit, it's Seto Kaiba. And he like, it has this deer in the headlights look. Like, can you imagine if you were like playing a Halo tournament, you're being a dick and like spawn camping, <laughs> and suddenly Bill Gates himself shows up and he's like, hey, stop that. Right, right. <laughs> out, of, out of nowhere, Bill Gates. We, out of nowhere, Bill Gates gets up in your in your uh, in your your headphones and he goes, "When you dishonor Halo, you dishonor me, and you dishonor this tournament. You dishonor Microsoft." <laughs> Uh, so, so Kaiba says to the bully, it's time you learn to show some respect, which is like, okay, cool. Uh, and then he says, he says, I have very little patience for bullies. No, you don't. (laughs) You, what the hell are you talking about, Kaiba? You find rare cards just to rip them up so they can't be used against you. Right. Yeah. This, this is, I think. Like, now I'm starting to understand uh, sort of where Trump's speechwriters are getting their lines from is from this sort of attitude, you know? (laughs) Like, no, no, actually, you have a lot of patience for bullies when it's you, when you're the bully. (laughs) Uh, But still, he he decides to challenge the bully to a duel to teach him some respect. Because, hey, I don't get no respect. Uh, And... To, to sort of sweeten the deal, to, to make it easier on the bully, I suppose, he hands him a briefcase. That same metal briefcase he's been carrying around. Yeah. And now we know what's in it. Uh, and it's more dual cards. A crap ton of super rare cards. Now that I take umbrage with, because that is what he says. He says, here, take rare cards to boost the power boost of your, your deck. Your pitiful deck or whatever. Right, to make and it And then the guy, fair. the bully says... What's up with all these rare cards? That famous quote <laughs> from a guy in a tournament based around rare cards. Right. And like, okay, I'm not going to judge Kaiba, but I saw some of the cards, and rare cards, these were not. <laughs> There's like alligator sword in there. Yeah, that's like uh, the first card you see. There was like, uh, there was like I, I want to say there was the, um, 
Oh, uh, who's the guy that, that looks like Link? That we always say looks like Link from Zelda. Oh, the uh, Celtic Guardian. Celtic Guardian. Celtic Guardian. There's like yeah. that in there. There's like the man ox in there. That sort of thing. And okay, cool. All right, cards. Good cards job. Cards we've seen a hundred times before. Yeah. So the bully takes the cards, and in that moment, the bully becomes the chump, <laughs> because the first thing that happens is Kaiba gets the crazy eyes. <laughs> <laughs> it does though i got a screenshot oh good good okay for, for anyone who's seen season zero or like early season one of Yu-Gi-Oh, you know what i mean when you say when i say kaiba's crazy eyes because it does that thing where you see the full iris and then white around the eye and they shake ever so slightly yeah. as he talks and it's very upsetting and he's like grinning as he starts talking right too. this is one of those times when i really wish they kept the green hair because i just would have like completed the whole thing but so uh, the duel starts. The bully is like, ah, I got these rare cards. Ha, ha, ha. And the first thing that that uh, that uh, Kaiba does, whoever it is in this duel, uh, Jimmy, can, can, you, can you just guess how Kaiba is going to handle this duel? Uh, presumably by cheating. Because on his first turn, he summons Obelisk the Tormentor. What in the actual fuck is happening in this show, Jimmy? And, yeah, we don't actually get to see, like, Kaiba playing it because it just pans out to, like, you know how in the beginning of Akira That's exactly what you I was see a shot yes. of the entire city and suddenly there's, like, an enormous flash of light? There's, a, like, a fucking lightning strike that comes down in between the buildings and, like, rising out of them we see Obelisk the Tormentor flickering just for a second, and we hear the screams of the damned as this chump loses the duel. Obelisk is fully... I don't even know how uh, Obelisk appears here, because he's way bigger than those little hologram projectors can do. I, I, Maybe that's why it, he only appears for a second. That could that could be it. That's, that's what I'm choosing to believe. The first thing that I thought was, oh, now we have some actual fucking magic here, but it's just for a second. Uh, yeah, maybe that's why he only appears for a second is because he burns out all the hologram emitters. That could because be because he's fully as big as like four city blocks easily. Like he is taller than several of the buildings shown in this wide shot. He is a kaiju. Uh, now okay, so so it's the first turn as far as we know, right? I'm looking at the card text for Obelisk the Tormentor right now, and it says requires not one, not two, but three tributes in order to normal summon, and it cannot be normal set. So that means... Kaiba's just breaking all his own rules. Right. Or we skip four turns, right? But that doesn't seem to be mm. the case here, because it's literally just like, all right, duel start. I summon Obelisk the Tormentor. Duel's over. <laughs> Yeah, like, imagine if you got Exodia firsthand, and they're just like, boop, Exodia, I win. Yeah. First turn. Right. Hooray. What the fuck, Kaiba? Yep. I mean, I guess, hey, when your little brother's the dual city commissioner, battle city commissioner or whatever, you can just do whatever you want, right? Hey, it's your tournament. You make the rules. And the rules say, I win. I win. <laughs> For everybody interested in playing a game like that, you can go to heartofthe.cards slash wins. Uh, so, yeah, so anyway, so he plays Obelisk and wins. Obelisk, yeah, <laughs> flickers out of existence because the duel's over. And the bully is just, like, left 
catatonic on the streets, like knocked over. There's this like wind that's like knocking all these cards around. All the rare cards are just kind of like tumbleweeds, just kind of getting blown around. Mm-hmm. And he's just sitting there with this like shell shocked look on his face as the I... Kaibas walk away. And and it's a cool shot, right? Like it's it's very much like a western sort of like ah the duelist has won and now he walks off into the sunset or whatever. But it's also just like wait, what? <laughs> what 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 purpose was that meant to serve? Uh, except just to humiliate the guy. I, I I guess I guess I don't know. So we cut away from that. And I'm not even going to talk about the. I can't even do his voice, but how dare you cheat in my tournament? <laughs> I'm the one who cheats in my tournament. <laughs> Ain't nobody cheating in this town but me. Uh, so so they walk away and uh, I guess leave all the rare cards just like scattered in the wind or whatever. They don't care yeah. about those anymore. I don't know if he went back and picked them up because they're just kind of blowing around. Must not be that rare. Uh, he just doesn't care <laughs> because he has uh, obelisk. Right, right. Exactly. I, I guess that's all you need. Uh, all you need is love and obelisk the tormentor. <laughs> Uh, so uh, we cut away from that to, uh, a, a scene of, uh, Merrick, who, whose name we now know, the, the person who wields the Millennium Rod, has the mind control powers, uh, and he's sitting on his leader throne. Leader of the cult. Leader of, leader of the rare hunters, uh, this, this cult that's trying to find the Egyptian god cards. He's a leader of the cult, you know him well, <laughs> and he's finally back to brainwash some <laughs> fools. Look at, look at, look at, wow! Uh, so he's sitting... <laughs> He's bigger, faster, and stronger, too. He's the first member of the Millennium Crew. Oh, God. Okay, well, now I think you owe it to our listeners to just write the whole thing, right? Uh, so he's sitting on his throne, which is legitimately, like, a, a pretty cool throne. It's, like, this, uh, like, golden sort of very, uh, uh, like, brutalist throne that's just got a Millennium Eye up above his head. Uh and Merrick has just been made aware that Obelisk the Tormentor was played in the Battle City tournament. Uh, and it's sort of just a conversation about like, yep, we confirmed it. Kaiba has Obelisk the Tormentor. There he is. Jimmy, his voice is strange. This is the most we've heard him talk, I think, ever. Yeah. His voice is weird. <laughs> I can't put my finger on it. He's like a an old timey carnival barker. Yes, he's he's like a he's like when they f- yeah step right up step yeah. right up see obelisk the tormentor. It's like that mid Atlantic sort of like fake accent yeah. mixed with like vaguely sort of Middle Eastern maybe. It's it's weird, yeah. It's it's a combination of a couple of things that just feels off. But he does talk like a carnival barker. Is the thing he goes, ah, yes, and then my evil plan will be fulfilled. <laughs> mine All is an evil. All the powers will lap. be mine. Right, exactly. Uh, and so uh, they're talking about the the Obelisk of Tormentor, and he has a flashback to uh, when he used the powers of Millennium Rod to mind control people into finding the winged dragon of Ra and unlocking the vault or whatever that it was in so that he could have the winged dragon. Yeah, he was in some, like, Egyptian tomb, and, like, he's using the rod on this, like, I assume member of this cult dedicated to keeping it safe, but they go into, like, this sarcophagus, and the guy pulls open the sarcophagus, and there's, like, a modern safe inside it. 
Well, and we got this explanation kind of from uh, Ishizu a few episodes ago where, like, her family was in charge of protecting the three Egyptian god cards. They came up with all these, like, ways to do it. I think they they said they buried Slifer the Sky Dragon or something. So this is just another one of those, all right, for the last 5,000 years, we've just been coming up with new ways to hide this shit. Uh, and they did not do a very good job, it turns out, because here it is. Did we ever learn how they got these cards from Pegasus? Uh, he gave them to them. Okay. I think. But he gave them to them be- been a while. because their family has been like the protectors of the pharaoh's grave, I think, for like a, been a few thousand waiting years. Waiting for the pharaoh to return or something. Yeah, yeah. They're, they're tied into the millennium items pretty closely. But we learn a little bit more about that, actually, because in the flashback, as he takes uh, the Winged Dragon of Raw card, uh, Merrick is confronted by Ishizu, and she calls him brother. Which at first I thought was like a uh, like a, ooh, a fraternal order of the, you know, Cards. pharaoh protectors or whatever. Like, But no, no, no. They are actually siblings. At one point she says, like, how dare you, you know, betray your own blood or whatever. Uh, so Ishizu and Merrick are siblings, and Merrick reveals that he wants to get the Pharaoh's strength rather than just protect the power of the god card. So he is actually going to try and take these cards that his family, I guess, uh, have been tasked with protecting. Uh, at which point he, I guess, kind of cuts away from the flashback to an internal monologue. This scene was a little weird for me. But he he thinks to himself that Ishizu has used the power of her Millennium Item to foresee the future, see the exact way to get all the Millennium uh, God or the, all the Egyptian God cards into one place, and that's to trick Kaiba into throwing a tournament, and that's why Kaiba's throwing the tournament, and that's why he has Obelisk the Tormentor, and he basically just guesses Ishizu's entire plan, right? That she was yeah. so proud of. Uh. And uh, he he tells them uh, he tells his, his underlings who are there to not go after Kaiba immediately. They want uh, 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 they want to uh, weaken the Pharaoh is the goal of the rare hunters, right? So they want to go after Yugi rather than Kaiba, even though they know Kaiba has Opalus the Tormentor, because because the Pharaoh. <laughs> <laughs> Fuck this Pharaoh in particular, <laughs> right? Right. Uh, and so he says. Uh, don't go after Kaiba. Instead, send Arcana to take care of Yugimoto. Sure, that'll work. Whoever the f- or whatever Arcana is. Uh, then we cut away to a fun scene. Uh, we cut back to the hospital. You remember the, you remember the hospital scene, Jimmy? Seren- oh, yeah. Serenity's been in the hospital. She had her eye surgery. Uh, she still has the bandages on. And uh, Tristan was there in the, in the last episode visiting and sort of telling her about the duel that Joey had with uh, Esperoba. Uh, and we cut back, and Tristan's still there uh, in the same clothes, so I'm going to assume this is the same day. Unless. Nope. <laughs> nope. <laughs> these, are, these are children in a cartoon for kids. Uh, nope. Nope. Nope, nope, nope. Uh, so Tristan, uh, is putting on his jacket and he, and he says, okay, I'm going to go and, and go to the tournament, go see more of Yugi and Joey. And Serenity stops him and makes him promise to take her to see the tournament when she gets her bandages removed, which is presumably sometime in the near future. 
uh, and she says, Jimmy, I can't with this scene. But I just... She wants her first sight, once she gets her sight back, to be her brother dueling in a card game. What fucking low expectations you have for life, Serenity. What a I want my first sight to be my brother playing in a Super Smash Brothers melee tournament. You could pick so many things. You could pick so many things. A sunset you could go outside. A sunset over the ocean, right? You could go into into uh, you could see a beautiful waterfall. You, you could have it be the doctor is still there in your room making sure that your eyesight is working right, correctly. Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh <laughs> you know, with a little could... flashlight or something to make sure that your eyes are that the surgery was a success. You could go to the museum and see all the beautiful paintings and artifacts around you. But no, you want to go see your shitty brother play a card game. <laughs> you you want to go see Joey playing card games. What like Meh. what? Your your brother who doesn't really have to be in this tournament if we're being honest. He doesn't yeah, need he's just to there. be there. Why is Does it Joey he... want to be there? Oh, he wants to be there. He's doing it for, I don't know, honor or something. But there's Fame, no... Glory. Is there a cash prize to this tournament? I've genuinely forgotten. I don't remember what the prize for this Battle City tournament is. Rare cards, I guess. Uh, but, like, why couldn't Joey be there with Serenity and then they talk about Yugi's duels together? Yeah. It seems like I his priorities because... are maybe mixed up. I don't know, to honor him for, like, getting the, the prize money for her operation because he was he got it through dueling. I don't know. Did he get it through dueling, though? <laughs> or was was it Yugi the whole time? <laughs> he, he, it was kind of a team effort. Okay, all right. Anyway, so that happens. We cut away to, uh, uh, we're back to Joey, Taya, and Grandpa who are walking through town. Uh, which proves, haha, that it is the same day because they are complimenting Joey on how much he has improved and how great that last duel was that happened just now. Just uh, mere seconds ago. And uh, Grandpa keeps just going on and on about how much Joey has improved. And it's like, ooh, Joey this, Joey that. Good job, bud, I guess. <laughs> Good uh, job, Joey. And they split up so that Taya and Grandpa can go find Yugi. Which And then Joey just goes off by himself for some reason right i don't know to duel why can't he go with them and find a duel on the way maybe yeah and if he's hanging out with yugi they can both duel people i'm sure there'll be a crowd around unless uh unless is it is it pokemon rules is it when they lock eyes they have to duel each other and joey doesn't oh that you think the next time uh Joey and uh, Yugi meet. They have they are honor bound to duel. I mean, Joey's acting like he's honor bound to something. I'll tell you what, this kid. I don't. I don't understand. Uh, but what I want to know more is not not. I don't really care so much why Joey goes off on his own. He can do whatever he likes. What I want to know is why is Taya still willing to hang out alone with Grandpa? That's a great question. Right after the the weird, weird energy from last episode, where he snuck up behind her and put his hands over her eyes and said, "Guess who?" Like a fucking creep <laughs> on a park bench. He was just creeping through the bushes. I don't. I I wouldn't want to even be and around in the that Mongo person. And he was just creeping on her the whole time. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah yeah yeah. Grandpa is 
all around a, a nasty perv. old perv. Well, it's I mean that's the trope, right? In anime, is yeah. the old man is de facto the the perv. Uh, He's just like a few frames away from having like blood spurt out his nose. <laughs> I I am almost positive that that happened in the Japanese version of the show. That had to have happened. I'm sure at some point. Uh, so we cut away from this, and we get a shot of Yugi talking to himself, his new favorite pastime. Uh, just just you know having some alone time with his new best friend himself. <laughs> his uh, own spirit. <laughs> it does sound dirty, Lauren. You're right. Uh, it's uh, it's not great. I'll tell you that much. He's just standing in the middle of the street while this is going on, too. Yeah, and he's not, like, moving, really. He's just kind of, like, looking down, having an internal monologue. Yeah. <laughs> Focusing intently on nothing in particular. Just the two Yugi's talking. Well, I think they're looking at the red eyes. Oh, that's what it is. And he's talking holding about how great Joey is and how he's improved and stuff. There's a shot here of little Yugi in spirit because Yami is occupying the body currently. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But Yugi is so short, he can't look over his own shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> Did you notice this? <laughs> he has to sort of he ghost his way his own... up or through. Yeah, he's he comes up to his own shoulder height. That's how short he is. <laughs> that uh... <laughs> that kind of that kind of reminds me a little bit of a thing that just happened in... Uh, I've been playing Fire Emblem. Oh, yeah. And uh, so there's a time jump in the game, right? There's a period where, uh, like, it skips five years, so the characters have grown and stuff. And there's a character in it who is, uh, like, I don't know, he's, like, 12 or whatever. He's, like, a child in the first part of the game. And then he grows up, and he's, like, 17 or 18 in the second part of the game. And so he's gotten a lot taller. But they didn't change the settings for where to point the camera when you're having a dialogue with him. Oh, no. <laughs> so so all every time you go up and talk to him, the camera pans down to just look at his chest. <laughs> Does it cut him off? Is he just like a chin hanging down? It from cuts the top off of the, the top of his head sometimes. But usually, usually the camera angle can get just wide enough to still fit him. Oh, man. Uh, but yeah, yeah, this is kind of like the inverse of that. I hadn't really, hadn't really thought about it. What a weird feeling to not be able to see over your own shoulder. <laughs> Someone else is in your body, so your body changes. <laughs> right, naturally. Uh, you know. So, uh, so yeah, so they're doing the whole, like, ooh, Joey, look at Joey. He's so great. Uh, and uh, then uh, they talk about uh, how they're going to need the red eyes to fight off the impending doom that, you know, yeah. is happening. The evil. And then Yugi says, speaking of evil, how will we know when Merrick will strike next? <laughs> and right that second. I just want to point out real quick, this show is like, you know, like the, you, you know, the start of Armageddon uh, where they're like, here's what's happening. Armageddon. And then they go and do something. <laughs> this is like if you took the here's what's happening part and extended it for like a month. <laughs> it's just people being like, wow, I wonder what we're going to do about that evil. It's. Just right around the corner. You guys hear huh. about this evil? Yeah, what are we going to do? The impending doom? We should we should really talk about this. The resurgence of a great evil? Oh, a duel's happening. Where's that evil? <laughs> yeah. yeah, we'll talk and about the evil later. <laughs> they just briefly mentioned, how do we know where Merrick will strike next? And literally, the next line is a creepy laugh. The creepiest, weirdest laugh. Like, this is like, it's not Joker status, but it's definitely Harley Quinn status. Oh, yeah. And he turns around, and it is a fucking masked clown. Just who just pops 
pops out of the bushes. Scampering around in the shrubbery. Uh, and let me tell you, this is the point where I paused the show and I, I pieced out like my, my spirit left my body and it was just a fucking skeleton writing the notes. Listener, here's the Tyler's notes for the scene. It's a fucking clown. Next line. Nope. Next time. I'm out. See ya. Bye now. Bye bye. And peace. And it's all caps. That was all I could bring myself to write. I could not stand looking at hearing i i not no uh-uh nope and i'm let me tell you clowns usually don't get me this bad usually they only get me a little bad this clown for whatever reason i'm i'm mm i'm done i'm done it's not even like bye everybody looking like a scary clown it's like a harlequin sort of get up on this Person. Yeah, I think part of it is the mask. I think part of it is the like is the laugh, right? It's a very creepy voice. And then part of it is what they say too. So the clown tells Yugi, the clown tells Yugi, "We've been looking for you." And Yugi says, "Who's we?" And the clown goes, "You'll find out if you walk that way, 53 steps forward and into that tent." And then he fucking says, "My master is waiting for you inside." And I'm like, "What no what a fucking creep. Don't do it, Yugi. This is clearly a trap." And yeah, he points across the street, and Yugi this whole time has been standing in front of, like, a giant big top circus tent. Right, that he just, like, is too self-absorbed to notice, I suppose. Yeah. And he could very easily be like, what if I didn't? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, what if he was just like, hmm, nah, and just walked off? I mean, what's a clown going to do? Right, yeah, and drag this him is, in there. Right, this is like a skin and bones kind of. This is like a contortionist body, right? Even even tiny Yugi could take this person in a fight. Yeah, like what if he was just like, no, I'm not going in there, and just stood there, and the clown was just like, damn it. But <laughs> uh, hold on, let me call my boss. Hey, boss, <laughs> Yugi's not going to come in here. Yeah, you, you need you need to come out here and duel Yugi out here. He says you have to come in by a creepy clown tent. No, I am not going to go in the creepy clown tent. <laughs> he said we've already got one. Uh, no, like, but... Uh, I'm just, going to call Kaiba. <laughs> just like Joey is honor-bound to go and find a duel or whatever on his own, Yugi's fucking honor-bound to do the creepiest shit, so he fucking does it. Like a yeah. fool. And the clown just, like, backflips into the bushes. And he, like... He clearly, like, if Yugi goes over and looks behind the bush, he's clearly just going to find the clown just, like, squatting there, hoping <laughs> Yugi doesn't come look at him. There's so many ways that this could have gone differently. There's so many ways that you could do something funny in this scenario. Like, if you go and look at the clown, he's like, what are you doing? I was hoping you weren't going to... I, I thought that was the end of the conversation. <laughs> I mean, to be fair, that is how I want to end all of my conversations. It's just backflipping away into, into a bush. bush. <laughs> and then just waiting for people to go and walk into a big circus tent. That's definitely a trap. Uh... <laughs> There's a comic I saw a while back that was like, you know how uh, Batman is always talking to Commissioner Gordon on the rooftops and then Commissioner Gordon is talking and then he turns and Batman is gone. Uh-huh. It was that, but from the opposite angle, and Batman is just crouched behind a garbage can. <laughs> he was clearly just trying to make himself look cool and mysterious. I uh, okay. So the next thing that happens is he 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 does it. He walks to the tent. 
He walks into the tent. This whole scenario is just like in Dungeons and Dragons. If your DM gets tired of everyone just fucking around in town or whatever, and is like railroading you into the next story beat in the campaign. No, you no, don't. No, a clown appears, tells you to go into the circus tent. You cannot talk to the shopkeeper. <laughs> you cannot talk to this clown. He does a backflip into the bushes and is gone. All right, I, I fucking go into the tent. You do not see him. He is gone. Go into the tent. Uh, rocks fall, you die. Uh, s- <laughs> rocks fall and eliminate every path out of here that is not directly through the tent. <laughs> right. So he goes in the tent right as Grandpa and Taya show up, right? And, and they see him and they're like shouting, hey, Yugi, and he doesn't hear them. Uh, and so they decide to run after him. At which point, Grandpa channels his uh, his lethal weapon movie trivia, and he says, "I'm getting too old for this shit." Uh, and uh, and they and they follow him in. Then we enter another scene in which I completely nope out, uh, and Yuki enters the circus tent, which is completely fucking empty, <laughs> and except is- for a stage where a spotlight some- suddenly goes- comes on. And there's a sign that says, like, magic tricks or something. Uh-huh. Oh. And there's one of those freaking clown boxes. One of those, like, there was a card for it. What, what's the name of that thing? Magical box. Magical box, I guess. Just, just literally does what it says on the tin. Yeah. It uh, just opens up it's... and the clown is in there and he's like, hey, come here. And Yugi's like, okay. I'm going to tell you all right now. This is exactly what my nightmares look like. This is 100% a nightmare that I've had. Uh, but yeah, so the clown the clown just like comes out of the box and it goes, hey, c- c- come on into my box, I guess. <laughs> come into my spooky clown box in my empty circus tent. He's like, okay, there's, I will. There's plenty of room. <laughs> plenty of room in my box. I had a note here earlier that, like, maybe Yami Yugi doesn't react because he, like, doesn't know what clowns are. And it just kind of assumes that that sometimes people in the current present day just kind of dress like this sometimes. And, okay, maybe that's it. And maybe Yugi is just too fucking terrified of this clown to say anything so Yami doesn't know. (laughs) But he knows what clowns are because we've seen him uh, go up against Saggy the Dark Clown. Right. Our old friend. Whatever happened to him? <laughs> he sagged too much. How's, how's he doing these days? Sagging. Uh, just still sagging. <laughs> um so So uh God damn it. Uh yeah, so he's like he just walks into the box, I guess, and Taya and Grandpa are, are, are close behind. They enter the tent and they see him walk into the box and, and they shout after him. But he doesn't hear them. And Taya says it's almost like he's in a trance. At which point I'm literally yelling at the screen, yes, Taya, he is in a trance. This is how people die in movies. Taya, do something. Taya, 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 run. <laughs> like Tackle him. Is... Throw a brick at his head. Do something. There's, again, similar to the bush. <laughs> oh, boy. Moving from a bush to a box. Uh, so this is, this is a million percent an avoidable scenario. That so many yeah. people could have done so many things, and none of that happens. Nope. So Yugi uh, goes in, the door closes behind him, and this was the first point that I recognized that it was the magical box, because uh, it, it has the holes for the swords and shit. 
Yeah, and it has like big three big question marks on the front. So it's like, ooh, magicians. And uh, God, I hate this shit so much. I I cannot for whatever this whole it's, I can't. Mm-mm, nope, this whole scenario. Uh-uh. Uh, smoke comes out of the box, and it uh, collapses. It completely opens. Yeah. Uh, as though it, it, it somebody it's has a magic trick. Right. Yeah. Somebody's sort of unfolded it. Right. And uh, Taya and Grandpa run to it, uh, calling for Yugi, but the box is empty because it's a magic trick. That's how they do it. Uh, at that exact moment, presumably halfway across Domino City, Mokuba's iPad makes a beeping noise. <laughs> and he goes... That, I have to specify, that is not an iPad. That is definitely a Palm Pilot, mm. which I know because I asked for one for Christmas as a kid so I can go on AOL Instant Messenger without having to leave my bed. I told my parents it was for school, but that was my ulterior motives. Needless to say, I didn't get it. And that Continue. was last week. <laughs> Jimmy, that is the most you sentence that I think I've ever heard. <laughs> That's maybe the least surprising thing that I've ever learned about you. <laughs> uh, well, let me hit you with this. I used to, after my parents would go to bed, I used to sneak back onto the computer so I could go and talk to my Bionicle fan forum friends online. There it is. There it is. <laughs> uh, never change. Um, so... <laughs> So apparently what happened is the, the Palm Pilot is beeping now because the tournament surveillance system, uh, and I'm looking now and I'm realizing that I cannot spell surveillance correctly. Surveillance. <laughs> I'm trying to pronounce I, what you wrote. Surveillance. Surveillance. Yeah, I wrote surveillance. Uh, but anyway, so the surveillance system uh, has lost track of Yugi, uh, to which Kaiba responds, he disappeared? Impossible. Because... He has literally become Big Brother. No one escapes the view of my panopticon. <laughs> and his inner monologue is basically that. Like, it's sort of going on and on about his technological marvel that is this surveillance system that he set yeah, up. Where the dual Yugi, disc... Everyone's duels, dual discs have, like, trackers in them. It's, it's all sending out, like, an ID signal or whatever. So wherever he is, uh, he, the signal is being blocked somehow, right? Uh, at which point Seto, I guess, swears a vow of enmity or something. He's like, I will not rest until Yugimoto is found. Yeah, he swears, he swears an oath of vengeance on magic because it foiled his GPS tracker. <laughs> I'm picturing him just doing the uh, that scene from Taken, but it's just to no one in particular. <laughs> yeah. He just know. starts yelling at the sky. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want, but I have a very particular set of skills that involve a card game. <laughs> uh, and he will find you. Has Meanwhile, he not heard of like six feet of solid concrete? Right. That's the thing, too, is like, okay, well, he's just gone into like a basement somewhere, right? Yeah. I mean, that's almost definitely what's happened here. It's because, probably not even magical. Yeah. It's, like I said, six feet of, of concrete, and he's, like, underground. Whoops. Oh, well. <laughs> I mean, I'm just picturing Kaiba, like, on his phone. I lost cell signal. It must be magic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, something that is magic that does happen in this next scene, though, is we go to... Like an office? This is literally the opposite of magic. 
Well, it, it is and it isn't. So, okay, so so what happens is we're in, like, an office scene, right? Like, I'm picturing, like, um, like the start of the Stanley parable, where it's just, like, yeah. a computer. And it's like a blank office space with, like, some tile walls and some, like, filing cabinets behind the uh, magic clown box or whatever. Right, right. Uh, and, yeah, and there's another magic box there, and the door opens, uh, and it's Yugi. There he is. He opened the door and came out through the other side. Yep. Uh, and as he does so, the computer lights up. And it says... It's a fat old, like, beige computer, too. It's not like a fancy is, computer. Oh, it's beautiful. Now, what it I want to like know the... is, we only see the monitor. Where is yeah. the tower? <laughs> it's one of those little super old, thin ones that, like, sits directly underneath it. Ooh, I love those with the little floppy disk drive that you can put yeah. right there. Yeah. Oh, man. They don't make them like they used to. <laughs> Thanks, Lord. Lord's keeping me in check. <laughs> I don't know. If, I don't know if that came through. She said, okay, Grandpa. <laughs> uh, no, not Grandpa on this show, because Grandpa on this show is a perv. That's true. I just meant you wishing for flash drives to come back. Wishing for... There's a lot that you could do with 256 kilobytes of storage. Kids these days don't appreciate that. <laughs> Think of all the text you could have. <laughs> uh, so uh, the the computer lights up and it says hacking into Battle City database. Uh, and then the screen gets all staticky because you know that's what happens when you hack computers. Right. It makes the hacking like it, noise. <laughs> it makes a hacking noise and the screen gets all staticky because it's a TV. Uh, and it brings up his duelist profile. Ooh, spooky. Ooh. How could they know who the best duelist in the world possibly could be? Not this website. Uh, and uh, yeah, so it lists off his like bona fides. You know, it's like, okay. Uh, 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 five star five duelist. Five star duelist. Rarest card, dark magician, blah, blah, blah. Uh, and it lists the dark magician. And as it does so, the dark magician... Uh, the image changes. It gets all staticky, and then the image cracks a smile. And as it does, so the image of the Dark Magician uh, leaves the computer and appears as a hologram floating in front of him. Only it's a spooky red Dark Magician. He is, instead of purple, his robes are all red, mm-hmm, and he mm-hmm. looks like Jafar. Be prepared. Uh, that is that's not the right movie. That is Scar. Oh, that's Scar. Damn it. Fuck. Uh, <laughs> He's a lion. I know. Uh, you know who else is a lion? Uh, the Dark Magician. Uh, because the Dark Magician says, I've been waiting for you. And Dark Magician says, you are not worthy of having me in your deck. So prepare to lose me forever. Uh, he doesn't say it like that, of course. He says it in a much weirder, creepier thing that I'm not going to do. Because at this point, I was still very creeped out. Uh, <laughs> Lawrence, Lawrence over here goading me on. He does. He does sort of a. Uh, uh, what was the voice that you were doing earlier, Jimmy? Of the just like strange vaudevillian. Yeah, step right up. It's sort of, I've been waiting for you. It's, except it's a little deeper than that. But it's yeah, also I've been with waiting like a, for you. A weird edge to it, like I don't know. Like this person hasn't slept in a while either. Because like, I've, I've been, been waiting, waiting for you. For you. <laughs> Uh, is that what you sound like when you haven't gotten enough sleep recently? Yeah, if I haven't slept oh, in like three days, hey, I go a little manic. <laughs> uh, but uh, that hasn't happened since probably college, actually. Uh, because I am an old man, and I go to sleep early. 
Um, so, okay. So then the Dark Magician says, uh, it's time that you met the true master of the Dark Magician. At which point, so I'm still like, what the actual fuck is going on here? But Yugi looks 30 degrees to his left and says, all right, enough of these tricks. Just yeah, he's used to actual magic. Completely bored. Uh, I've and... seen men sacrifice to bring about demons. <laughs> Quit this bullshit. <laughs> what are you trying to pull here? Blood magic or nothing. Where's your cultist? Where's the chanting? Where's your stone tablets? <laughs> he's, Get he's this just... weak-ass shit out of my face. <laughs> he's a purist. Um, <laughs> so, from the shadows, a figure appears, and Jimmy... Who boy, what a look. This uh, guy, I know I say this a lot, but this guy is 100% uh, definitely could be an F-Zero racer. Absolutely. I am amazed that this is not an actual F-Zero design because of all of the looks that we've seen in the show, we've, we've seen some fucking, you know, L-E-W-K Lukes, Lukes. Uh, happening here. This is a, a hell of a look. He does uh, kind of look like uh, the F-Zero Racer Spade. I'm sending you a picture. Okay. Uh, let me see here. Oh, yeah, kind of. I, I think just the, the pointiness and the cape. Yeah. Yeah. Just kind uh, of a wacky future magician. I, I've tried describing it in text as best I can, but I know that I'm not going to do it justice. Uh, we should definitely put a picture up on the Instagram, I think, just to, if we can get a, like a body, a full body sort of visual of this person. Uh, this is Arcana. Uh, he has a red suit with shoulder pads that come up into a point, like they're like pauldrons. Uh, and he, he, under the under the suit, and the whole thing is red, like red jacket, red pants. Under the suit, he's wearing a black and white striped shirt, sort of similar to like a referee shirt. Yeah. A black and white striped bow tie that's the exact same stripe. White, I want to point out, it's like a very light minty sort of blue. Oh, that might be it. That might be it. I am discovering that I cannot see certain shades of blue <laughs> for whatever reason. So thank you. Uh, do we, do I need to win some card game tournaments to pay for your eye surgery, Tyler? You know, if you wouldn't mind, that'd be great. <laughs> uh, so uh, he, he yeah. So he's wearing this striped uh, uh, bow tie, this black and mint, I guess, bow tie, uh, and a a, a striped mask as well uh that it kind of reminds me of like you know the skyrim ads and the cover where it's that helmet that has the two horns that the come horns down on the side it's yeah. that shape but it's a flat mask like so a harlequin mask yeah. yeah 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 but it's just kind of got these like weird downward facing horns on either side uh and that is also in the exact same striped pattern and on top of that is a red top hat with a striped like band around it so it's just this weird like red and stripes kind of like motif happening he looks like if pegasus was locked away in an insane asylum yeah and then just spent several years picking up fashion tips yeah yeah he was like if pegasus was a batman villain now i also i i couldn't quite tell and i i genuinely i i forgot about this after i i realized it does he have a ponytail uh, there's something hanging question. out back there. Just a little. There's a I... hint of something. You know what? Yes, he does. He's got a ponytail. I'm, I'm looking. There's not a whole lot of shots of him from the side because it's mostly his wacky ass mask. But he right. does have a very long black ponytail. 
like all great illusionists. Uh, in Duel Links, he does. Uh, so, so Arcana introduces himself as the illusionist known as Arcana. But there are some who call me Tim. No, he doesn't say that last part. He says Arcana. Uh, and uh, Arcana is holding uh, two Dark Magician cards. He's got one in his hand and one in his dual disc. Uh, and he he sort of makes a boast about being like the true sort of wielder, the true master of the Dark Magicians, which is where we get that translated title that I mentioned earlier. Uh, and Arcana challenges Yugi to a duel where wow, the winner... didn't see that coming. I know. What a shock. What a weird... Man, he got lured all this way just to get challenged to a duel. It's like he could have done that in broad daylight. Uh, and uh, the winner will take the loser's Dark Magician. Da-da-da-da. Uh, Yugi, Yugi babbles for a bit about the heart of the cards. Can you imagine if Merrick was like, no, don't challenge him to a duel. Just shoot him. Right. <laughs> Take him out from 50 yards. I mean, Lure him into this creepy clown box and then just like <laughs> stab him. We're going to come back to this in a bit, but Arcana definitely had that kind of resources at his disposal and like could have made that happen yeah. very easily. Uh, Yugi does... And I've kind of gotten used to this, I think. We've been watching, um, there was a show that Penn and Teller did called Fool Us, where they'd have magicians come on and try to fool them. I think I've uh, seen clips from it. Yeah, yeah. It's a very clip-worthy show. There's a lot of good stuff on YouTube. Um, but Yugi does the sort of, like, magician patter here, where he's talking about, like, well, you know, to be a, a true duelist and to really wield the power of the dark magician, you have to have the heart of the cards. Because remember, it's the duelist that chooses most of the cards, but sometimes a card can choose the duelist. And he's doing this while shuffling his cards. Uh, and Jimmy, this is not a dig at you, but he shuffles cards like you do. I do not shuffle cards like this. That is offensive. You know what? <laughs> I... I think I've mentioned this before, but Yugi's shuffling technique is shit. He's it's, just pulling... It's piss poor. <laughs> he's just pulling chunks of cards from the middle of his deck and then putting them on top. Okay, pardon me. So you, you do shuffle better than this. He shuffles worse than you. But I, I remember we had a long conversation, too, where you uh, were learning to do the... Uh, well, the shuffle that Arcana does, where it's the sort of rifling shuffle. I, yeah. I don't know what that's called. Bridge shuffle, I guess. Uh, which you do now... Are you looking? Are you literally going to try and find a deck of cards to prove to me that you can? Sh- I believe you. Yes. Okay. I believe you. It won't um, make good audio, so I won't do it. No. Uh, that's a that's a different podcast. Is our ASMR shuffling podcast? <laughs> um, but anyway, so he's doing that like weird shuffle, right? That's just not good. Uh, and then he draws the top card, and it's the Dark Magician. Da da da! da a magic trick! Hooray! Whoa! Uh, and Arcana is sort of unimpressed by this and invites Yugi to a special dueling ring uh, that is close by. Yeah. And Um, he gestures to this, like this hole in the floor. That's like a staircase heading downwards. And it's, it's clearly more traps. (laughs) Like you joked earlier, like, okay, at this point, Arcana just pulls out a gun and like clocks Yugi. There's so many opportunities to do this. Yeah. And not even in, like, a lethal way. He could just lock the door behind Yugi because Yugi goes down first for some reason. And it's just like, all right, there there you go. Now you're trapped in my weird basement. I'm Jigsaw. Welcome to my game. Hey, Merrick. Yeah, it's me. I got him. <laughs> he, he just End walks right into my giant door marked trap on it. Yeah, I don't know why you've been having so much trouble with this literal child. 
I just invited him into my weird circus tent and he's in here now. I had a clown just tell him to go inside and he did. <laughs> what a fucking fool. Uh, okay, so uh, at this point, yeah, so they're going downstairs and Yugi wonders, could this deranged showman be working for Merrick? Could this possibly be true? I wonder. That's a direct quote, by the way. Could this deranged showman be working for Merrick? I, you know, yes, he could be. <laughs> yeah, Maybe. Yeah, because the next thing that Arcana gestures towards is he get down to the bottom of the stairs and he goes, ah, oh, yes, it's just through here. And he gestures to this giant metal door with a big fucking red question mark on it. Like he's the fucking Riddler. <laughs> Yeah, this is like one of those doors in like restaurants that like goes into the deep freezer. One of those like super heavy metal mm-hmm. doors. Yep. Go right on in there, Yugi. And this it's is got where like a... I keep my meat hooks. Right. <laughs> this is where I keep the mystery meat. And it's got just like a question mark painted in blood. Yeah. He just walks in and there's like slabs of beef hanging on meat hooks. And he's like, this isn't a dueling arena. And then he just like locks the door behind him. But it is a dueling arena, it turns out. They go through the it door and say... It is a dueling arena. It is a one-ring circus, is what it is. It's a smaller version of the circus tent with one ring in the middle. And in the table, it has... Or in the table, in the center, it has a table uh, that has the Millennium Eye kind of motif on it. <sighs> Jimmy, I hate every part of this. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I've gotten that strongly across yet. Did you notice that the walls have, like, coffins hanging from them? I did. <laughs> it's like an Applebee's or something in there. It just has, like, coffins and shit, like, stapled to the walls. <laughs> the fuck kind of Applebee's are you going to that has coffins on the walls? <laughs> the best kind. <laughs> okay, clearly true. Uh, yeah, so so they're in this, like, one-ring circus, and he goes, like, I had it specially made, ha, ha, ha. Uh, yeah, can you imagine, like, all the time and effort it took to make this shitty, uh, like, spooky... Uh, that's trap. It's like that's what I'm who, saying. Who built this? Where did they get the building permits? How did they get the time? This tournament was announced like three days ago. It was yeah. announced like right before it began. How did, did you? Did like, Kaiba, with his like all-seeing satellite network, not notice a murder pit being built in the center of Domino City? Right, that's the thing. And we're going to get into it a bit later, but like they would have had to have some specialized equipment coming in and out in order to set this goddamn thing up. Like, this isn't going unnoticed. This should be the first thing that Kaiba thinks about when he's like, oh, Yugi's gone missing. I wonder if he's in that murder pit I saw somebody building a while ago. I wonder if he's in the circus tent that doesn't have any permits and doesn't have any people going in and out. Right. This should be. This I should thought be the they were just selling fireworks in there. I just it uh I hate I hate the whole thing, Jimmy. <laughs> so so they're shuffling their decks. Yugi does some more of that dumbass shuffle of his. Uh and okay. Like for the listeners out there, you don't need to learn how to shuffle prop like quote unquote properly, right? Like you don't need to be doing fucking magic shuffles or whatever. But Yugi's shuffling technique is literally just pulling a big old chunk of cards from the middle. It's not um, shuffling. It's going to be no. like you're going to encounter huge chunks of all the same cards as there were before. Right, exactly. And he it's never like touches the bottom of the deck either. So apparently the heart of the cards is just stacking the deck so your shitty cards stay on the bottom. 
right? I guess. That's what we're learning here. So they're swapping aphorisms. They're talking about how one's going to beat the other or whatever. And uh, so they they uh, shuffle their decks, and Yugi says something about, like, well, you know, any great magician knows that uh, never to trust another magician until you cut their deck or whatever. And so they cut each other's decks. And I think uh, this is the first time we've seen anyone cut each other's decks in the show. I Has think it happened so. Once before? It might have happened before. <sighs> so far, everyone just kind of assumed that everyone's deck is legit. I, I feel like it happened before somewhere on Duelist Kingdom where the dueling arena swapped their decks so that they could cut them. I, I don't remember what duel, though. This is the first time it really comes up that they've really talked about it. And yeah. it's specifically because Arcana is a magician and Yuki doesn't trust him. Which, fair. Uh, <laughs> so as soon as they do this, though, the arena changes. Uh, the floor moves underneath them and uh, these giant manacles come out from the walls and lock their ankles in uh, to opposite sides of this arena. Well, it's even dumber than that because they were both on each side of this table. Mm-hmm. And then the floor is like a conveyor belt moving them slowly towards the walls. And right. at any point, Yugi could have just stepped off of it. But he was just yeah. like, huh? What's going on? It's For like, like uh... five seconds. <laughs> It's like that fucking scene in uh in uh in uh, uh Prometheus, Prometheus, the alien prequel. Oh yeah. You know when the when the ship, the circular ship, crashes and starts rolling, and everyone just tries to run in the same direction that it's rolling, rather than stepping five feet to the left and missing it entirely. You could have just stepped uh, one step to the left and avoided yeah. all of this. But no, he gets locked in. He's freaking out, trying to figure out what's happening, uh, and then uh. <laughs> And then more bullshit happens where these giant blue saw blades appear. Uh, glowing blue. Glowing blue saw blades appear out of the walls. Uh, not not next to them, but kind of like at the 90 degrees, I suppose, yeah. of this circle they're in. And Arcana reveals that the loser will not only lose their Dark Magician, but be sent to the Shadow Realm after getting sliced by what he coins... As dark energy discs. These are 100% just like actual saw blades that four kids censored, right? I would I... bet you anything that there's, in the original episode, they're just actual saw blades that were going to cut Yugi in half. I feel like they have to be, right? Because the, the, the explanation on this makes no goddamn sense. He's like, yes, it is a saw blade, but rather than killing your mortal form, it sends your soul to the shadow realm. How does that work? You get and, cut, and then it sends your soul to another dimension. And how would you even install this thing, right? If nobody can touch it, you have to like bring in a crane to lower it onto the machinery that operates it. It's like a, it's like a, it's like Cat's Cradle at this point. It's like Ice Nine. You can't, you can't let it out of the bottle, and it'll just take your soul. I guess. Yeah. Ah, uh, dang it! I touched the the soul blades, and now I'm in the shadow realm. They didn't mention that in OSHA guidelines. <laughs> I'm amazed that like when they went to the Shadow Realm before, there weren't just a bunch of scientists sitting around and being like, "Well, we developed all this soul-taking technology, and here are all the here are all the accidents." A bunch of their assistants, right? <laughs> you there? You touched the dark energy disc, didn't you? <laughs> uh, so, so the thing here is that next to the dark energy discs uh, is a that's life why you point wear readout. safety goggles, <laughs> right? So you don't get any dark energy disc sawdust in your eye. <laughs> 
<laughs> Don't breathe this, it's soul dust. Jesus Christ. Speaking of Skyrim items. Uh, so next to the dark energy discs is the life point readout, right? Uh, and, and you see it going from 4,000 to 2,000 to 1,000 to zero. And Yugi picks up pretty quickly on uh, the fact that as their life points goes down, the saw blades get closer to their bodies, which, to your point, Jimmy, I think would be equally effective whether they were dark energy discs or just normal ass oh, saw yeah. blades. I, I just looked it up on the wiki. Differences in adaptations. In the Japanese version, the loser, the loser will just have their legs cut off by a buzzsaw. <laughs> <laughs> it's literally just saw blades that four kids, like, rotoscoped and painted glowy blue to look like ancient Sheikah technology. So it's, ooh, magical. Because having your soul trapped in another dimension is, is I guess, better than having your legs chopped off. It is the saw dungeon. God, I want to. I want to be in that boardroom where they're like, "All right, friends, we can't have them get their legs cut off." What's the family-friendly version of getting your legs cut off? There's one fucking like secret goth in there who's like having your soul torn from your body, <laughs> having your soul lacerated and sent to another dimension where it will be burning in hell for eternity and they're like and this, yeah that's family friendly <laughs> this boardroom of suits is just like yeah that tracks okay well there's no blood so all right <laughs> um so so okay so that's gonna happen if their life points go to zero and then between their feet appears a key box which also has a life point meter on it and that is the life point meter of their opponent and that has the key that will unlock the the sort of shackles that they're in and it will only open when their opponent's life points go to zero. So there's no hope of like picking the lock or whatever. You have to get your opponent down to zero. You have to kill a person in order to free yourself. Welcome to my games. My name is Jigsaw. Um... <laughs> yeah, that's literally that. This is Saw. <laughs> At which point Yugi says, what kind of person would toy with someone's mind? Are you some kind of demented madman? <laughs> Which, like, okay, Yugi, you're not one to talk here. Someone who, episode one, said the words mind crush and ripped someone's evil from them. <laughs> you reached into a man's a mind and ghost. sent parts of him to hell. <laughs> later came, black, came back as a spooky clown. So I, I don't think you have any room to be calling anyone else a demented madman here. <laughs> everyone's fucking with each other's minds. It's just going to be the way things are for a bit. Sometimes it do be like that <laughs> on this bitch of an earth. Uh, uh, it's time to duel. It is time. He literally says it's time to duel in that tone of voice too, which is the craziest shit, right? Like this is a, have you seen not to talk about Netflix originals some more, but there's a show that I've only seen clips from called flinch. And it's it's just putting people in like this sort of scenario where they're gonna th like throw uh, like a, f a live frog at them or whatever, and if they don't flinch, they win. Uh, what? That's a stupid show. It's the worst. What a dumb it's, concept. It's like it, they're trying to make Fear Factor fun again. That's uh, like a schoolyard. Oh, don't don't flinch if I punch you. Kind of show. But yeah, it's like... yeah. Like the the the. The thumbnail for the show is really all you need. It's someone's, like, head locked in a cage, a la the Wicker Man. Like, they're about to, like, pour the fucking bees in there. 
uh, and they're getting blasted with a fire hose of what looks like milk. <laughs> yeah, very strange. Anyway, so it's like that, and he just deadpan says, it's time to duel. <laughs> All right, let's get this over with. Uh, so we start the duel. Arcana draws Dark Magician right away. No big surprise there. And he reveals in his inner monologue that he has trimmed the edge of certain cards so that they are slightly, just just imperceptibly shorter. Yeah, he takes the scale tool and makes them just like 98% uh, cropped. And so when Yugi like went to shuffle and cut his deck, when he lifted parts of it, um, he could not grab the Dark Magician and it would like fall onto the top of the deck as he was cutting it. Right, right, which assumes a couple of things about how Yugi is going to shuffle the deck. One, that he's going to grab it holding just the top and bottom and not the sides of the cards. Yeah. Because it's only trimmed on the top. Uh, and then two, the, it assumes that the bottommost card that Yugi's going to grab when he's cutting the deck is Dark Magician. What if Dark Magician was at the top already? Or at the very bottom? Or in the middle somewhere yeah. of what Yugi grabbed? Presumably, like, he would grab it, but, like, because there's a gap there, that whole chunk would fall down? I don't know. Who knows? He cheated. Anyway, so it worked exactly as Arcana planned. Yugi cut the deck. Dark Magician fell uh, when he was cutting it, so it became the top card. Yeah. And he's like, Yugi will never guess that I've cheated, just like literally every other duelist he's ever faced. <laughs> Somebody, uh, who, who tweeted about this? Was it Ryan who tweeted about this at us? Who was like, next week, somebody marks the cards, but it's not on camera, so it doesn't count. <laughs> uh, let me find it. I think it was Ryan. Um, and uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm like, okay, <laughs> cheating in Duel Monsters, just like, just like normal, I guess. <laughs> How um, are they going <laughs> to... Pull a fast one on Yugi this week. Anyway, um, Arcana it was Ryan. Summons... It was yeah, Ryan. Okay. Ryan. Uh, Ryan. I don't know how to say your last name, so I'm not going to try. But thank you for that very funny tweet. Um, and so anyway, so Yugi places a card face down. It's his turn first, uh, and he summons Alpha the Magnet Warrior in defense mode. Our good friend Alpha. He's not... the big beefy metal looking one. Yes, not the biggest and beefiest, but also no. not the smallest and cutest. Not sort of baby. just in the middle. You know, alpha from the Greek for in the middle. <laughs> so Arcana summons your good friend, Legion the Fiend Jester, who we <sighs> talked about last week, two weeks ago. Uh, yeah, I think that was last week, actually. Yeah, the Legion the Fiend Jester. One. God, I hate it so much. I hate to look at it. Um, and uh, yeah, so Arcana summons Legion the Fiend Jester, and, and it sort of says in every way but out loud that he's planning to sort of work his way up to Dark Magician. He's got to summon one yep. more card and then he can tribute two cards to summon Dark Magician. Cool. Uh, Yugi then realizes that, and this is a direct quote, to defeat this trickster, I'll have to think like a trickster. Because <laughs> what's going to stop uh, what's going to stop one cheater at a card game, but a good cheater at a card game? I don't know. Yep. I'm trying to make a there's a anyway, joke there somewhere just, that I'm not going uh, with. Board wipes, little hand wipes. Yeah, uh, and uh, he plays card destruction, so that both <laughs> players have to discard their entire hands and redraw. Uh, and Arcana freaks out because that was his entire plan that he spent so long. Yeah, he literally says, "My hand, my precious hand, not my precious hand." 
and uh, <laughs> darn, didn't didn't see that one coming. That his incredibly simple plan would have been found out. Yugi will never guess my plan, and then Yugi guesses his plan instantly, and he's like, "Ah, oh, fuck, my plan! <laughs> I uh, never could have anticipated this." And uh, you know, as he's sort of actively crying, Yugi reveals his face down card, which is brain control. Uh, and we've seen brain control in play before. What it does is it allows Yugi to take control of one of Arcana's cards, and he takes control of Fiend Jester, and then immediately uses Fiend Jester and Magnet Warrior to do a tribute summon for, guess who? Dark Magician. Hey, that's the guy that this episode centers around. Uh, and he says, when you believe in the heart of the cards, Arcana, you don't need to cheat. Which I would argue is the new winners don't do drugs. You wouldn't download a dark magician. <laughs> uh, I would, actually. That's, that's how they how they play now is digitally. Uh, but uh, yeah, so Yugi has dark magician attack uh, in a way that I've never seen before. Did you catch this? Did you catch this? Like it's His sort anime of anime pose. Yeah, it's very much like a like a G Gundam sort of like this hand of mine is burning red sort of thing. He's like, and now my dark magician will attack with his magical power. And he holds his hand up and he holds it sideways. Yeah, like he's he does grabbing. all these like gestures, like he's like doing some like hand movements that will like do a jutsu or something. That's, but he's just like He's doing pointing. a one-hand jutsu. He's just pointing, but he has to like power up his point beforehand. And he's like, Dark Magician, attack. And then Dark Magician attacks also in a weird way by taking his, like, magic staff and doing it, like, behind his legs, like, pew! There's a... <laughs> he does a trick shot. He does a trick shot between his legs. Uh, there is a name for the hand gesture, the, the hand gesturing thing that he does. And I'm sad that I know this because it was in a behind-the-scenes thing for the show The Magicians. Oh, it's an actual thing that he's doing. Because so so they they do this they do all the fancy hand motions and stuff to to do the magic and the magicians right and they had to learn how to do it and that's a that's a an art form of uh, sort of finger dancing yes very nice Jimmy's doing the hand crocodile thing to the camera uh, that's real great for an audio podcast bud uh, and uh, it it's called tutting 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 t u t t i n g tutting. Okay. Uh, if you look up tutting videos on YouTube, there's a lot of people with uh, uh, gloves that have glowing lights in them. So it's like a rave and they do like a the dance. Oh, I, I've seen a clip of someone doing that with like a bunch of lights on their fingers, but they're mm -hmm. at a rave and like someone is just tripping balls staring directly into their hands. Yep. So Yugi tutting. tuts. So Yugi tuts. And then Dark Magician does a 360 no scope. Uh... And uh, takes Arcana's life points down to 1,500. It's a 2,500 attack monster. So it's less than half of his original life points. And I think uh, one of the dark energy buzz saws goes bleep, like halfway around the field. Mm -hmm, so yeah. And chopping the last, off his legs. The last line is Arcana going, the dark energy disc is getting closer. <laughs> And I can't not hear Airplane at that point. And I really wanted to say back to the screen, and Lenny's getting larger. <laughs> to the three people who listen to the show and have seen Airplane. Um, yeah. You, and then you, we... Do you like movies with gladiators? <laughs> <laughs> and then we, <laughs> then we fade out on a to be continued. 
Grandpa's watching all this and he's like, man, I picked a bad week to stop sniffing glue. <laughs> <laughs> Pull yourself together, Yugi. Slap. Uh, duelist, duelist, duelist. Cultist, cultist. Um, yeah, that that was the episode. Chimmy, <laughs> uh, what was your favorite part of this episode? God. I'm dying to know. Of this episode? Probably, hmm. That's no, of any, of any episode. Yeah, of this episode. I think my favorite is just the concept of, like, this cult spending, like, hundreds of thousands of dollars on, like, equipment and manpower making this, like, buzzsaw trap clown box tent, like, in plain sight, just to have Yugi fight the duel this guy in it, like... No one else, like, they make a big show of, like, having no one else is there, there's no audience, nobody is watching. It's just for this magician guy to get his jollies dueling, <laughs> dueling Yugi in a, in a, in a spooky, in a spooky circus. It is like, a, it is no a single, it is a single-use life-taking device. <laughs> God, just the, the effort that these people put into making Yugi notice them. No, notice me, Yugi Senpai. <laughs> I built and you like, a circus tent. And like, honestly, like if they had any foresight at all, like the show is essentially named after Yugi, right? Like, yeah. he is the protagonist. You're not just gonna buzzsaw this kid, right? <laughs> this ancient—they're trying to steal away the artifact from this ancient pharaoh. He's like, I bet that he's gonna walk right into this circus tent, and he does. And he does. That's the worst shit about it. It's the thing. Like, this is such an obvious trap. And he's like, oh, okay. It's so dumb. I love it. It's, it's This is completely 100% on brand for this show. Absolutely. This is this is the most this show that this, this show has been in a while. This is peak There's this yeah. cult after this ancient artifact. And instead of, like, trying to take it, they go to all this trouble of making this, like, ridiculous convoluted plan to defeat this kid. And they could just shoot him. They could just shoot him and take or, the Millennium Puzzle in his deck. Or, and this is the thing that I keep thinking about, install the buzzsaws, sure, do all of that, but maybe only install one? Yeah. Like, why Why risk both lives? <laughs> uh, yeah, okay. He has to be in danger to get hard. Jesus Christ. <laughs> well, he did make Yugi come in the box, so you know. Um, What's your favorite part of this oh, episode? Boy, we're really earning our explicit tag this week. Um, my favorite part of the episode is, uh, you know, I, I, I think as weirded out as I was at first, I think my favorite part of the episode is actually uh, Merrick's flashback. Because mm. we do get kind of some, like, valuable lore building there where it's like all right there's a family of people who have all been like dedicating their lives and and generations of lives to serving the pharaoh and protecting the pharaoh's secrets and now protecting the egyptian god cards um it's a family of assassins and they're the the templars (laughs) right he he breaks with tradition to pursue his own goals i mean basically right and it gives it gives the character kind of some some motivation there that's honestly understandable in a way like Hey, we've been guarding this ancient power for what some some bullshit like pharaoh that we've never years. met. Like we we have just no idea. Just waiting for him to come back. 
Right. And like, how are we going to know that if the Pharaoh comes back, we're still going to like agree with his ideals, you know, like it's, it's like people have always said, you know, lately about like, okay, if there was a second coming of Christ, would anybody who's a Christian actually like still go and follow him or <laughs> would <laughs> anyone things notice? Like change with time? Right. Um, if the Pharaoh returned, would we care, you know? So he's saying, no, you know what? We have all this power here. I think I could do some actual good in the world or evil or, or whatever. Uh, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to shoot my shot, which I respect in a way. Uh, it also, I, I love finally, and this is the thing that I love about the show is when somebody else has a fantastic plan that nobody is keen to, right? Like mm-hmm. Kaiba is ostensibly the smartest person in the world. And even he doesn't really know what's happening here. He just guesses a Shizu's plan, like off the dome. He's like, ah, if I was a Shizu, I'd do this, this, and this. And he's exactly right. And he's just see, like, if yeah, I was I would... trying to get all these like ancient cards, let's see, I'd have to get them all in one place and see who has them. Card game tournament? Yeah, that's see, who, uh, who maybe is the richest enough. idiot in the world. Yeah. yeah. He's, who's the Jeff Bezos of card games? <laughs> Jesus Christ. <laughs> oh, man. What kind of tournament can we trick Jeff Bezos into throwing? <laughs> Um, uh, the Olympics, but with drones. Ooh, I'd watch that. Robot uh, Olympics. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, drone racing is a thing. Yeah. Uh. So anyway, so that that's my favorite part. I think is where Merrick is just like, yeah, this is probably what's happening here, and he's just completely right. Like, it's no big, it's no big deal. He's not. It's not some like mental leap or or use of magic. He's just like, eh, if I was a betting man. Uh. Yeah, I like it a lot. Now, how about your worst part? Well, I already, I don't, I'm very tempted to say that the worst is also my favorite. No, uh, but I can't do that. Just the ridiculous plan that's so convoluted and tricking Yugi <laughs> to a lot. come down into this thing. <laughs> um, my worst is probably Serenity wanting her first sight to be Joey dueling. Oh, I mean, I kind of get yeah. it, but it's. It's dumb. It's so uh, just even if she was just like, I want my first like thing that I see with my new eyes or whatever. Uh, if she had said like to be my family, yeah, right, or just to, have Joey to see there. my brother, yeah, or all my friends, but no, specifically to see Joey dueling. <laughs> I want to see my brother with his back to me as he plays <laughs> card games. I want to see my brother play Time Wizard again. <laughs> That that's the good shit right there. That's what brings us together as a family is when Joey plays Time Wizard. You know what I just realized too? Joey just got a new card, which is the most horrifying shit to look at because he got Jinzo. <laughs> she, she, she takes looks off like. her bandages and the first thing she sees is this goddamn Ceno bite with Joey <laughs> ordering <laughs> it around. Jinzo, drink his blood. Yeah. Uh, I'm so excited to see my big brother duel. Oh god. <laughs> Oh God! Oh why? Put him back! Put him back! Put the bandages back on. I take it back. I don't want to um, see anything anymore. Honorable worst is Taya hanging out with Grandpa for some reason. Why is she there? Yes, that is my Respect honorable worst yourself, as well. Taya. Taya, just go go have other friends. He's bad news. Go hang out with someone who isn't like eighty year old pervert. Literally anyone. Go Literally. go find Bob. Go or back whatever with his Joey. Name was. Go hang out Go with, with Joey and find Yugi with, with your him. legitimate actual friend. Yeah. What's your worst? It's clowns, isn't it? It's the clown. It's the fucking clown. 
I can't get over it. It's 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 ev- it's everything. It's everything about the clown. Like the circus tent is is one thing, right? The magic box is another thing. Those things individually are are fine. Okay, the circus tent I still have an issue with. I don't like circus tents. Um, the the there's something about the clown it's the voice it's the mask it's the way it moves it's the mysterious <laughs> riddles it's the inviting it to come into the door and and to follow them and and just to, like and and the fact that yugi just goes for it as if he's in a trance and has no choice in the matter he's like sure why just not so ooh, ooh, ooh. i will go where this clown is gesturing me to go I just i i can't um. this clown inviting me to see his master I can't even like, and we, you and I have talked about this a bit. Like, you know that horror movies are not my thing, right? It's a specific kind of horror movie. I where... very, I very clearly remember that night we tried to get you to play Slenderman, and you ended up like six feet behind me on the floor. I couldn't just even weeping before I even saw Slenderman was the thing because it's not, it's not the thing itself, right? It's not the it's not the clown itself that bothers me. It's not the fact that it is a clown that bothers me. It's something about the the sort of unknowable aspect of it that like he's in some sort of a trance which in itself is creepy and there's a potential for like danger. Like yeah, yeah. And to the, it's to the point now where like the anticipation that something very bad is going to happen. Yeah, and there are certain things that really set that in motion, right? And clowns is like a really obvious one where it's like, okay, there's a clown in a piece of media that doesn't normally have clowns. That clown is up to no good. And I can't even, like, you know, the new It movie is coming out, right? Mm-hmm. It Part 2 or whatever. I can't, A, I can't watch trailers for that movie. I can't even look at thumbnails for trailers for that movie. Going on Instagram was a nightmare for a solid week because ads would just come up for it randomly. And it would just start, it would just, Lauren's very excited here sitting next to me. She loves this shit. I I can't. Oh, she's leaning over to give a weird face in the camera. Uh, and a thumbs up. Thank you. Um, it, it, I, it, it, I, I can't even like, look at the thumbnail for the trailer because I see the clown and I know like that clown is up to no fucking good. And there's like an element of like mind control and the, the loss of, of power. We all float here. <laughs> Y'all float you're... too. Y'all float too. Lauren, I don't know why Y'all you're encouraging. Y'all float too. Lauren, <laughs> Lauren, we share a bed. <laughs> you hey, have Tyler, to put up you'll with float me. too. No, I will not. I refuse to float anywhere. <laughs> Anyway, the worst the worst is clouds. You know what? That's fair. It's Kelly, time. You mentioned uh, okay. clowns yep. in like talk unrelated clown related uh-huh. media that yep. you know mm-hmm. that clown is clearly up to no good. Yeah. Is there a piece of media where clowns up to good? Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So like uh if you go to like Ringling Brothers, right? Go go to the circus where a clown is a normal part of the environment there. And a part of the storytelling in which they do acts of kindness, they come out of tiny cars, they 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 help people, they give. Uh, uh, nope, I take it back. I was about to say they give candy to small children. That's a nope. I'm 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 back on the back on the other side of it again. I hate those two. Um, I I just I think we're at a point in time right now where the traditional like face paint or or in this case a harlequin mask. 
you know, the 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 ruffles and the the big balls and the polka dots and stuff. I think we're just at a point now where that is a media shorthand for something evil is going on. Something something you know, sinister true. is happening where the people who are not the clowns are going to lose agency in this scenario. And I think that's the thing that bothers me the most is the loss of agency here. Like the kind of horror that I can't put up with, I can't deal with at all, is anything having to do with possession. Like cannot, can't, like can't even, like I said, like can't even look at it. Even if it's a still image and I know vaguely what's happening, can't do it. Like Tyler, this, this is I a have, show where a little heard, boy gets possessed on literally every episode by an ancient spirit. And, and maybe it's just I've come to like that ancient spirit. I don't know. I don't know what's happening here. There's going to be a point where I turn on Yugi 2. I can guarantee it. Um, what about Midsommar? Is there possession in that? Uh, yeah, I mean, you could argue there. I mean, I heard... So... so, so <laughs> Lauren had a friend over and they watched Hereditary uh-huh. and I was in the same room but I was I was in a hoodie with the hood up I had headphones on I had a blanket around me I'm like actively playing the switch but I still heard like parts of Hereditary and I have dreams about Hereditary a oh, movie no. that I have never seen a single frame of besides the trailer like ages ago now and like I I will get in my head bits of hereditary that I have only heard on camera and heard Lauren talk about. And I will just have a very clear image in my mind of like, this is what this scene looks like. And it creeps me the fuck out. And it's, I fully understand that it is my imagination running away with me. Uh, and I, I know that I'm a grown man, but I can't fucking do it. Well, you know what? Let's stop talking about clowns and shit then. Cirque du Soleil. Good clowns. Okay. Moulin Rouge, good clowns. That's it, I think. That's the whole list. <laughs> uh, can we please move on? Yes. It's time for the monster bracket. Jimmy, I forget whose turn it is to read these things. Do you want to read these? I think it's my turn. Can you read the second one first? Because I feel like the, the, the first one needs its, its time. Yes. Okay. All right. Whenever you're ready. (laughs) Just these captions. We wanted to book Siegfried the Steel Knight, but he had a prior engagement. Please welcome Gearfried the Iron Knight. Yay! Or is it Gearfried? It has to be Gearfried. I have no idea. Garfield. Yeah, it's Garfield the Iron Knight for all I care. Garfield! You just wrote this because you wanted me to, to sing this, didn't you? I did. Baby dragon do 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 baby dragon do 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 baby dragon do 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 baby dragon. Yay! It's the internet sensation, baby dragon. Uh, all right, Gearfried the Iron Knight versus Baby Dragon is this week's monster bracket showdown. Gearfried the Iron Knight. It's a level four warrior effect monster with 1800 attack, 1600 defense. Whereas baby dragon is a level three dragon type monster with 1200 attack and 700 defense. Uh, Jimmy, I feel like anybody who's been listening to the show, even for a short time, will know kind of what baby dragon looks like. So let's start with Gearfried the Iron Knight. Uh, describe this absolute it. unit for me. 
Gearfried the Iron Knight looks like um, the old Transformer in the in like Transformers Two. Oh yes, he looks like one of those Transformers. Uh, Transformers Two is that Dark of the Moon? I don't remember. I don't think so. I don't think I ever saw Dark of the Moon. Or I you think, think that's of Transformers, Transformers The Last Night? No, that's Transformers Five. Uh, Transformers Two. No, this guy looks like the... Revenge of the Fallen. Revenge of the Fallen. No, this guy looks like the Transformer who was just an SR-71 who was just hanging out for like 50 years doing nothing Mm -hmm. until people showed up and started talking to him. That's kind of what he looks like. Yeah, it's sort of this... he doesn't have the beard. Right, right, right. Yeah, he's shaved a little bit. Uh, It's, it's, I mean... (sighs) That's really the best way to describe it. I can't even think of a, a better way to do it. it. It's it's a it's a knight who has sort of a vaguely like cyber tech kind of vibe to him. I don't um, think he's flesh and blood. I think he's entirely metal. That's what it looks like because the torso comes down to basically nothing and has a little red ring that looks like a like an Iron Man power circle, right? Uh, but the armor is black. It's got silver lining on it. Uh, a big silver shield the helmet looks kind of like, I don't know, vaguely bird-like almost. It's yeah. got this like wing coming up and then it's got some red eyes. But then uh, he just and... has like a regular human mouth underneath. Right. But it's still black. So it looks like Transformers. Yeah, that's, you know that's exactly have, what it looks like. Yeah. Faces underneath, even though they're robot aliens. I actually just looked up Transformers 2 and it kind of looks like the poster for Transformers 2, if we're being honest. It, it Just the in the face region now that you've brought it up. Oh yeah, yep. Yeah, yep. Uh, moving on to our good friend Baby Dragon. Uh, well, let's talk about it. He's a chunky little baby. Chunky little baby. With uh, uh big. I think the last episode you described him as ripped. Well, okay. So I wanted to bring that up because the last episode animated him very strangely. Uh, it's sort of similar to. Um, did you ever play Jazz Jackrabbit? No. So Jazz Jackrabbit was a game in the sort of MS-DOS era and a little bit after. Uh, Actually, it was directed by the same person who directed the first couple of God of War games. Hmm. But it's a side-scrolling kind of cartoon game where you play as a green rabbit named Jazz Jackrabbit. And you have like a a laser gun and you shoot turtles. And it was my favorite game. Like that was how I learned to use DOS was I learned the command to bring up Jazz Jackrabbit at age like five or whatever. Hmm. Uh, So uh, Baby Dragon is animated in the same way that the difficulty counter for Jazz Jackrabbit was animated. That, and that is, is such an extremely up, specific reference. Exactly one person listening to the show will get this reference. But as you turn up the difficulty, uh, Jazz Jackrabbit gets buffer and uh, gets like like bulkier and meaner. And what we saw in the last episode, or two episodes ago now, I guess, was Baby Dragon at the hard difficulty. It looked just like Baby Dragon, but it had muscles. And this is now Baby Dragon at the easy difficulty where it's back to its normal baby form is what we're seeing on the card. I just Googled Jazz Jackrabbit menu and I pulled up exactly what you're talking about. Here is it's, a very buff Jazz Jackrabbit. Right. And that's exactly what, we're, what we've seen in Baby Dragon now. So all of that goes to show is that people don't really know how to animate Baby Dragon. But when you picture what does a dragon look like as a baby? 
this is it. <laughs> yep. Yeah, I want to point out he's got like the same color scheme as Dragonite. Yeah, that's exactly it. And he's doing sort of a uh, like a clenched fist, sort of like throwing his fists up. And he's got a look on his face that, you know, were I a copywriter in uh, when this card was released, uh, what, 1998 to 2000? Probably. Uh, you would probably use the word tood. Like apostrophe sure. T-U-D, like attitude. Yeah. He's this card's like, got yeah. tood. He, he's small, but he's scrappy, and he's going to try and kick your butt. Uh, let's talk about the card. From the big dragon. <laughs> Exactly, exactly. Let's the the card text kind of goes into this a little bit further too. Uh so for Gearfried the Iron Knight, the card text says if either player equips an equip card to this card, destroy that equip card. Oh, so, so we can't touch any equipment. Can equip this. Uh yes, no he's equipment. Too strong. He picks up a sword and it just crumples in his grasp and he's like, "Oh, Aw. <laughs> uh, the text for Baby Dragon says, Much more than just a child, this dragon is gifted with untapped power. Because he... That power being, if you wait for a thousand years, he becomes a different dragon entirely. <laughs> but the power of, for every second that passes, he ages one second. <laughs> he can make a minute rice in 59 seconds. That's his power. His untapped power is that he can grow old. Yeah, his untapped power is patience. <laughs> Thousand years of patience. Uh, it's also worth pointing out that the attribute for Baby Dragon is wind, uh, whereas for Gearfried the Iron Knight, it is earth. I don't know if that affects your opinion at all. Not really. How are we feeling about these? We'll we'll start with the art. Where are we? Where are we weighing? Uh, I do think a Gearfried looks pretty cool. He does. If I was like a middle school kid, I would want to have a poster of Gearfried on my wall. Yeah, I feel like this is Gearfried is definitely the thing that like people would be drawing in their, their yeah. like lined notebooks, you know. You'd be on the in the margins of your math homework. Right. A lot of good angles. Yeah, lots of angles. He is just edgy enough to be cool. And just anonymous for you to put your own personality on him. Yeah. Like this is the Gearfried here continuing with the Transformers. If you like thought Optimus Prime and Bumblebee were for babies, but you thought Starscream was cool. That's what yeah. Gearfried is. That's exactly what this is. And Baby Dragon, I mean, Baby Dragon also has a good look. Yeah. And I think Baby Dragon is like, to, to use another media reference, uh, Baby Dragon is for the kids who were just growing out of, or maybe growing into, Neopets. He does have a kind of Neopets vibe to him. And Neopets are like Digimon or something. Yeah, Neopets are like if you made Digimon like somehow more chibi. Yeah, cute. If that makes sense. Yeah, like rounder. If if you, if you took if you took sandpaper to Digimon, you get <laughs> you get Neopets. He is a, uh, a chubby little baby. He is a chubby he's little cute. baby. He's like He's iconic, though, is it? Yeah. If we're talking about the show, like, these are both cards that Joey has, right? Uh, But if we're talking about what do we associate with Joey Wheeler, I think that Baby Dragon would come up before Gearfried the Iron Knight. Yeah. I don't know. I I think Gearfried looks pretty freaking cool. 
and he's stronger than Baby Dragon. He's just not as iconic. Mm-hmm. That's true. Do we have any cards? I'm trying to think. Do we have any cards in the bracket that like would try to equip themselves? I don't think to... so. That is, that is uh, kind of a, a lame uh, effect that he has, that he can't equip stuff to him. But I think that's just because he's so powerful. Just yeah, I'm, I'm trying to figure out what the practical effect of that would be. I, I'm trying to think, like, um, do you remember that, that monster? Stuff. Oh, here it is. Kisatai? Is that how you pronounce it? I don't remember what you're talking about. It's, it's, the, it's the weird, like, balloon tube that looks like it's giving you the finger. <laughs> I don't remember. You know what Kisitai. I'm talking about. How do you spell that again? Uh, K-A-S-E-I-T-A-I. Kisatai. Uh, let's see. Uh, oh, this weird you... thing, yeah. Here it is. Okay, so oh, when your Jesus. opponent's monster attacks this card in face-down defense position, this card becomes God. an equipped spell card equipped to the attacking monster. No damage calculation is conducted. So I just... this monster would try to equip itself to Gearfried the Iron Knight and be destroyed. This is the one use in this bracket that Gearfried the Iron Knight would have. I just scrolled down the image search for Kisatai, and like the only screenshot of it is it's wrapped around Jinzo's neck. It's bad, dude. This is it's so bad. gross. I hate it. Uh, but we voted for it against yeah. Lord of D. <laughs> uh, so, okay. So it would have a use if it got that far in the bracket, but the only way that would happen is if they got to the semifinals or the quarterfinals. No, no, no. The semifinals. Well, if they got, if both of these cards got to the semifinals, that would be the one time that Gearfree would have like an actual strategic advantage. But just stats alone, he has the advantage here over Baby Dragon. I agree. I agree. I think Baby Dragon is cool. It's iconic. But in order to be actually useful in a duel, you have to have so many other cards. You have to have the Thousand Year Dragon in yeah, your that's hand. Or pardon, the whole me, pardon thing, me, Thousand Dragon. The whole thing about Baby Dragon is that you come out. it comes out and it's like, oh, Baby Dragon, whatever. And then Joey's always like turning it into Thousand Dragon. Right. I don't think there's anything else cool that you can do with Baby Dragon. No, it doesn't have any cool stats or anything. Uh, it's just cute. It's just a chunky little guy who's scrappy. Now, let me ask this other question that I feel like I should know the answer to. Is Time Wizard a monster? Yes, Time Wizard. Oh, Time Wizard was a monster that we uh, we had in the bracket. Lost to Cyberjar. Oh, yeah, I forgot about Cyberjar. Time Wizard's no longer in the bracket. So doubly no reason to have Baby Dragon in the bracket yeah in if we were actually having a duel with these cards uh without the one there's really no point to the other yep. if there's better cards i yep. know i think gear Freed looks pretty cool i agree i agree it doesn't look bad i just i i was just making the argument that i don't think he's as iconic yeah but no m- maybe this tournament is an opportunity to change that maybe he is pretty <laughs> badass looking all right, well, let's give it to, uh, to Gearfried Gear the Iron Knight, then. Ba, ba, da, ba. All right. If you want to get in touch with us, complain about our choices for the bracket, you can email us at heartofthecards. Nope, pardon me. You activated my podcast at gmail.com. Our website 
is Heart of the Dot Cards. Uh, you can uh, reach us on Twitter and Instagram at YAMPOD. That's Y-A-M-P-O-D. Uh-huh. Tyler, how many brackets left do we have before we start pitting our own cards against each other? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, let me look here. You can go to uh, heartofthe.cards slash bracket to see the bracket as we update it. It's just a it's a Google sheet that I made look fancy. Uh, let's see. We have just done, uh, this is, I don't know what round number this is, but we have one, two, three, four, five, six more rounds, six more episodes, uh, and then we will loop back around to uh, monsters that we have seen before in the bracket. All right. Yeah. So uh, right around episode uh, 17, 18, right, right around the like third away through the uh, the season, we start getting into the, the real serious stuff when we start coming back around. But I'm looking at some of the matchups we have coming up, and I mean, they're kind of difficult, honestly. I'm looking at some of these, and I, like some in the past, I've kind of known which way I'm going to vote. Uh-huh. A lot of these coming up, I really don't know. I really honestly don't know. Like, we'll need to decide in the moment uh, right. which way the bracket goes. And Lauren's going to be the tiebreaker. She just volunteered. <laughs> so, uh, similar to, uh, yeah, I was about to say, similar to when we had you vote for, uh, uh, it was Mystic Horseman, right? Mystic Horseman or uh, Legion the Fiend Jester. We're going we're gonna to bring Lauren in. It's our ringer. And if she can't decide, we'll have Pepper Point. Yeah, just fill two bowls of food with... You'll have to print out each card and put it like next to it. And so you can go and pick which one. Exactly. (laughs) Uh, All right. If you want to get a hold of us, uh, I've already said this, but our email is youactivatedmypodcast at gmail.com, Twitter and Instagram at yampod. Uh, Send us emails, uh, tweet at us. Uh, Instagram has been a little weird for for messaging stuff because, yay, they're great about bots. the uh, the thing that I would love to hear from people is if you uh, know like of something, to talk to tomatoes. <laughs> if you know of something that sounds like a Yu Gi Oh card but is not a Yu Gi Oh card, we are looking to start a new segment uh, once Lauren is done uh, finishing uh, up some school stuff. Uh, we we want to start a new segment with Lauren where we give her uh, a Yu Gi Oh card, or the name of a Yu Gi Oh card, the name of there's something else in the world, be it a, a metal band, a, a romance novel, a, a or just some pop nonsense song. we make up. Well, that's what I was gonna say. That's the third thing is nonsense we make up, and she has to pick which one is which. Um, it's surprisingly difficult, I'm finding, to find things that sound like Yu Gi Oh cards and are not already Yu Gi Oh cards because there are a lot of Yu Gi Oh cards. Remember Jerry Beans Man? <laughs> I was just thinking Jerry about Beans Jerry Man. Beans Man. Uh, I found one the other day, actually, and I, I'm not even worried about like, <laughs> about, like wasting these because there's just so many. Um, there's a card called Eat Gaboon. Like eat as in the verb? Yeah, Eat Gaboon. It's all one word. I don't know what it means. Um, there's also another card called Reload, which I'm going to text to you, Jimmy. <laughs> uh, Jimmy, this card Reload is... May, maybe the most like your shit this cardium has ever gotten uh it's just been texted to you all right real <laughs> <laughs> it's it's literally it's somebody what reloading a gun a gun in quotes uh but it is a the the, the cartridge 
is an upside down pyramid and the gun, the gun is, is also like a, a pyramid that's covered in hieroglyphics it's an ancient piece of like a wall from a like an egyptian like sarcophagus that they just ripped out but it's a gun but it's a gun because you know that's just how this game works so anyway so if if you the listener uh know of things that sound like Yu-Gi-Oh cards but are not Yu-Gi-Oh cards please 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 send those my way um lastly and i i meant to bring this up at the start of the show <laughs> but so I, I forgot to uh you know there is you don't need me to say it a lot of shit happening in the world and i really hope that our show uh gives you a, a sort of a respite from the more serious matters at hand uh if you enjoy the show if this is a show that you could see yourself donating to or becoming a patron of uh don't give that money places where it can actually be used, uh, such as the Yellowhammer Fund, Trans Lifeline, Pancreatic Cancer Action Network. I'd also really encourage people to, uh, I, I don't know, I, I haven't seen any any real messaging about this, uh, but just sort of keep an eye on the situation with the hurricanes happening right now that are oh, yeah. hitting the Bahamas. Uh, our, our you know friends in, in Florida are staring down the barrel of these hurricanes. Um, and is she on her way right now? Lauren just reminded us one of our friends is on her way to the Bahamas right now because um, uh, that's where she lives. Uh, and and there's, there's you know, there may not be much to go back to just from what we've seen. That's frightening. Um, Aren't you so, going to Florida in like a week? No, no, no. I'm going to Florida in January. Okay. Yeah, yeah I'm going to Minnesota in a week. <laughs> okay. Very different. Um, but anyway, yeah. So, so just like... I, like I said, I don't know of any uh, sort of relief funds or anything that are that are being built for that. But keep an eye out. You know, uh, it, it doesn't do much good to say like be safe out there or like sending thoughts and prayers. But like, if you find a place where you can send money that you would otherwise be donating to a show like this, just send it there. Like, send it to a place that can do some good because um, that's really the best way yeah, to help. We are fine. Out We're right good. Now. We do this for fun. I'm glad that people enjoy this show, uh, and while no one has offered me money, I would like to direct that money elsewhere sort of preemptively. Um, lastly, I almost forgot what I was going to say there. Lastly, uh, we may or may not have a show next week uh, because I'm going to be in Minnesota, like I said. Minnesota. Uh, and, and weirdly, while that will bring us closer in time zones, I will be there doing a work conference. Uh, so I'm going to have like zero spare time and that spare time that i have is going to be severely jet lagged and probably sleeping uh in between sort of work events so uh we'll see if we can record another one this week we'll look at our schedules um but i'm going to be gone from sunday to sunday of next week so it may or may not happen fun times yeah uh thank you everybody for your patience next episode i was about to say next week but next episode we'll be talking about season two episode 12 which jimmy it's your favorite thing is part two. Oh boy <laughs> of three okay man the whole other how long can they stretch this creepy clown bit out let's find out let's find out together until next time speaking of evil how will we know where merrick will strike next <laughs>